0: Moon out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash
1: There's an epidemic affecting thousands of young Canadians, a condition scientists are calling the munchies. I'm World Wrestling Federation superstar Chris Jericho, and I've joined forces with Taco Bell to fight this hunger. You can join our tag team. By making a donation of only $3.99, you'll receive three Taco Supremes and a drink. Act now, and together we can
2: help young people like Todd pummel the munchies. Ah, you got to love it. Chris Jericho selling tacos for Taco Bell. And, you know, if you look at the prices of Taco Bell from 2000 to now, a lot of the prices have doubled. It's amazing. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you have something and in 2000 cost 69 cents and now it's almost two bucks, you know, and you eat two or three of them, Still, it only sounds like, oh, it's only $6. It adds up, man. It adds up, Junior. Anyway, what's up, everyone? This week in wrestling history, episode 52. I am Don Tony, as always. This week, we covered a period of December 25th through December 31st. And would it be in episode 52? That means we are in week 52 of the year, the last week of the year. And Before I go any further, I wanted to thank each and every one of you for your support, for your praise, for your suggestions, recommendations, comments, feedback, just everything that you have done to make this week in wrestling history the show that it has turned into. It's taken a life of its own. I never in a million years ever thought that this show would blow up as big as it has. And not only that, the amount of work that's involved, but what you have done in addition to creating a show because all of your feedback has basically molded it to what it is today, you let Don Tony dip back into his childhood, teenagehood, adulthood, and relive memories that I never thought I would ever even think about reliving again. So trust me, this has a little bit of a personal effect on me as well. And this week, when I get to open up with five clips from 1983, little tidbit, As a kid growing up as a wrestling fan, of all the years of watching wrestling, 1983 is the year that stands out to me the most. Number one, that was the year where I went full-blown recording wrestling every week on TV, and I still have some of the VHS tapes. To this day, going with my grandmother to the Ridgewood Grove Arena, once in a blue moon, having the opportunity to go to Madison Square Garden, which was just incredible going to Sunnyside Gardens occasionally. Then as I got a little bit older, being able to go to shows in Woodhaven, Queens and high school gyms with my friends, awesome memories. And I'm kind of hinting to the answer that a lot of you have asked, will this show continue beyond this episode? Because we're at the end of the year. And after thinking long and hard about it, because you know Don Tony, if I do something, it is balls out or not at all. That's the difference between people who really give a shit and really take pride, not only in the work that they do, but the people who tune in you know, it's sad that you have to pull fingers on a lot of people's shows to get them to do anything extra. And any, It's always, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? What money can I make? What can I do on YouTube? And this is that. How many hits could I get? How's about you enjoy what you're doing? You love the response and the feedback and the appreciation and the acknowledgement. That's not enough anymore? Damn. So the answer is yes, this show will continue beyond today and I have decided we will turn it into seasons. And number one, it makes it easier that way because there are 52 weeks in the year. And obviously these episodes reflect a certain week in the year. You get to episode 26, you know you're halfway through the show, through the season. Now, what I am gonna do is, no, I'm not gonna take the previous files and just repost them, no. There are so many memories in the world of pro wrestling that we could not even highlight Maybe you mention it in a sentence and you move on that we are going to replace some of the clips from yesteryear that we've played already and replace it with others. So a lot of the legwork is already done. So going forth, the future seasons will be a lot easier to do. Still a challenge, but as long as you enjoy it, I will keep doing them. And with that said, let's get right into it. 1983, I was a Bob Backlund fan, Growing up, he was a role model. Yes, his promos were the absolute shits, the drizzling shits. Listen to a montage of Backlund promos in the early 80s, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Other than when he was really pissed from getting whipped by Sergeant Slaughter or Billy Graham destroying his title... Yeah, you know, he too mundane, too calm, and he would mumble over his words. But yet, he was still my favorite wrestler next to Jimmy Snooker. That was until Hulk Hogan came into the WWF. Yes, I will never forget the Pro Wrestling Illustrated with Hulk Hogan on the cover that said "Wrestling or Hollywood," and I did not get much AWA. When I was a kid living in New York So I only saw what I saw in the wrestling magazines Little highlights on TV Warner Wolf Anybody remembers him? And you would see periodically You know, an appearance by a wrestler in Rocky Three. So at this time, I was a fan of Backlund Now, as a kid, being a wrestling fan And being around when Backlund lost the title this week in 83 To the Iron Sheik we did not think that Backlund was going to lose it this night, but it got to the point in Backlund's title reign that we were like, okay, all right, okay. All right, he's still the champ, okay. It's not like, thank God, get the title off of him. It wasn't to that point, but you just felt a little complacent with Backlund as a heavyweight champion. And, you know, the same night that Backlund lost this title, Someone else was winning a title about 1,200 miles away. We'll get into that clip in a little bit as well. But um, And you know what? We're almost going to open up this show tonight with a Macho Man clip at the beginning and a Macho Man clip at the very end. And I'm going to do something on this show that I have not done the entire 52 episodes. I'm going to go out of place for something later on. But first, let's reminisce 1983 Iron Sheik defeats Bob Backlund to win the WWF Championship. Arnold Scolin, Backlund's manager, throws in the towel. You know, and a lot of people may not even know the storyline that led up to this match. They did a segment, you remember Iron Sheik and he would have those clubs and he would be very, very impressive shit that he would do with those clubs. They had an episode of Championship Wrestling a week or two before this. And Iron Sheik was doing the clubs And Backlund, they challenged Backlund to see if he could do them as well. And Iron Sheik attacked him from behind, hit him in the neck with one of the clubs. So going into this match, us as wrestling fans, we had the suspension of disbelief that Backlund had a neck injury from the Iron Sheik. And what I always loved about watching this match and listening to this match is hearing Freddie Blassie in the background, clear, kick him in the neck, kick him in the neck. And now you understand why they kept saying, the neck, the neck, the neck. It was uh, it was a very um believable storyline at the time, but still, we really did not think that the Iron Sheik was going to win the belt this night. But here you go, here's highlights. And as a little bonus, here's a promo from Backlund and the Iron Sheik prior to, to this match.
3: Mr. Bob Bacca making his way to Madison Square Garden where you have achieved victory after victory. And on December 26th, the day after Christmas, a little belated Christmas present perhaps to you or perhaps the Iron Sheep, depending on who is going to be victorious. This man's career has somewhat paralleled yours, I'm sure you would grant, as it relates to the amateur status. Both of you representing your countries in amateur wrestling and, of course, from there into the pro ranks. Yes, this man has a great great background I've said that before you've got to respect this man, and his people are they're very, very tough people, and they want to win very badly and You know anybody, including myself, can get beaten at any time and I've always said that and you always have to be prepared, but I always think about winning. I don't think about victory or getting lo lot, getting beat. Think about that victory uh, when i when that comes across, then I'll think about it. I'm going to give it 100%. I don't want to let anybody down, especially those young people out there. Some people that I've spent some time with, working out with them, helping them train, tell them how to diet, tell them not smoke any cigarettes. I want to represent them, and I want to make them people proud. Have somebody to look up to and fight to be like, to be a champion within yourself. Thanks for joining us. Title holder, Bob Backlund. In a moment, ladies and gentlemen, our guest will be manager Freddie Blassie along with the Iron Sheet, the number one contender in the World Wrestling Federation today, meeting champion Bob Backlund. Mr. Blassie. Clan, I was in there
4: listening to Bob Backlund saying he's going to give out 100%. This time, Backlund, 100% is not sufficient. <laughs> Mr. Backlund, everybody know about Khulam Raza Salam alaikum, salawat bar in Bob all the American people New York City waiting for this mad match. Yeah. Thousand thousand Iranians, yeah. Arabs. And American white people, black people, they're waiting to see the match, the orange sheik, to take that belt to the Tehran Avenue and walk in the Tehran Avenue. And Ayatollah and all, and all, all his people, they pray for me, they come in the Tehran arena to see me, to see that belt, to see that match. But backland I promise Ayatollah to take the... Ladies and gentlemen,
5: at this time, allow me to introduce the respective
1: managers.
5: First of all, to my left, here is the Ayatollah Blessing. In the opposite corner, Arnold Skolan. This is the main event of the evening. It is scheduled for the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship, one fall with a one hour time limit. Introducing first to my left, the
6: challenger,
5: from Tehran, Iran. Weighing 258 pounds, the Iron Sheik. His opponent, from Princeton, Minnesota, weighing 234 pounds, the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Bob Beckland.
7: Champ looks quite fit, Pat. Yep.
8: Looks like when he walked in the ring, uh, he looked to me like he's favoring his left shoulder
7: or his left arm. Well, he had that neck injury, Pat, here a week or so ago on that altercation that took place on television, where yep. he ended up with one of those Persian clubs wrapped around his neck and shoulder, and uh, I thought he was hurt a lot more seriously than he was, but. He seems to have been training, and uh, I guess he feels he's fit enough to go ahead with this match. Oh, well, Becklin will not back up from
8: anyone, and uh, he has to defend his championship, whether he feels good or not.
7: Iron Sheik not wasting any time going to work on that neck area. Oh, he's got that strap. He's wrapped it around the champ's neck. This match is underway and everything and anything but the kitchen sink here on champ Bob Backlund, going to work on that
8: neck Boy, got really you, you know what i tell you when Bob came in into ringing golly, it was golly, obvious golly. to me that he was favoring his left arm and Maybe it was not obvious to the Iron Sheik, but Blassie, the kind of pro that he is, probably realized that, probably
7: saw that, and Bobby, probably told the to get on that arm. backman obviously in a great deal of pain now as he used that left arm to take the Sheik over, and it caused him a great deal of pain to do that.
8: Look at him. Really punishing Bob Backlund, and at the same time yelling, "Iran, Iran, number one." Fred Blassie, Fred Blassie sitting at ringside. This is the man, Fred Blassie, the man behind the Iron Sheik. And Blassie obviously is making a lot of money with the Iron Sheik, Sheik
7: and he wants to make a lot more. That's the end of the game, as far as he's concerned. Patrick. Backlund now whips him over. Look at the pain Backlund's in. Favoring that left arm, she quick like a cat, right back on it again in that barred arm. So far, Backlund has not really done anything offensively.
8: Uh, no, he escaped one time when a take over.
7: She Bob got to get to his feet here. Look at this. Slip the, the back door if he
8: can. He's really sweating. Look at him. Oh, he's he's really putting everything he's got into it. He wants this match so bad. He wants the belt so bad. He's working
7: hard. and That adrenaline's flowing. You can bet on it.
8: He might be working too hard. He may maybe too anxious, and that could
7: cost you a lot. Run out of gas. I don't care how good you are when you run out of gas. You're in trouble. Champ now shoves him off into the ropes. Shoulder block. Come on! By Sheik sends down the champ, Bob. Nice hip Bob! That hurt Backlund to do that, and he did it with the right arm. Sheik! Sheik not wasting any time. Got right up, went right back to work on it, and right back with that barred arm.
8: I want to tell all the fans that are watching right now, when you're looking at the Sheik and you're looking at Bob Backlund. These two men, I'm telling you, are very, very well conditioned. We all know about Bob Backlund. I mean, Bob Backlund, when it comes to conditioning... Personified. Oh, he's an animal. And the Iron Sheik is not too far behind. Right on his...
7: Sheik! Behind. Sheik! Look at the perspiration just pouring off the Iron Sheik. And you know, when it comes to age, I would say that
8: uh, Backlund would be... Maybe just four to five years younger than the Iron Sheik, approximately. The Iron, Iron Sheik is an uh, unbelievable wrestling background.
5: Kick it,
0: kick it, stop it.
8: The Iron Sheik uh, doesn't look like a young man, but kick you can get a real close-up of him. He's not an old man. Well, the scars on his head
7: are incredible. He's some wars. <laughs> surfboard here. Kick. This is painful, especially if you got a shoulder injury or neck injury or back injury plants that boot right in the around the middle of the 12 13 14th cervical vertebrae and really puts that pressure on bob's got to get to his feet and see the way to eliminate some of that pressure walk right over them ropes bob put your foot out there i can't believe bachelor has not been able to do nothing so far He's obviously hurt worse than we. Mentioned earlier, he was headbutt by Bob.
8: He was working out earlier. Right elbow by the champ. You really nailed this. You really nailed the sheet, but this sheet can take a lot of
7: punishment. He can take a lot. Everything Backlund is doing he's hurting him. Come on, come on. He's got to be in a tremendous amount of pain. He can't mount an offense because it's hurting him. Tried for a suplex, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Dropped on, a, on the back of his own neck. Sheik went down with the momentum of the move, but it was not applied properly. His backhand was just in too much pain to go through with the move. Lassen getting excited oh, here. Sheik. More excited as he's been his man out. Come on, come, come on. on.
0: Kick him, kick him.
7: We can hear Fred Blassey as he's spitting words of encouragement out. Sheik now trying to use some leverage here, trying to get that. He's got both arms. There's Arnold School a very concerned look on his face. And rightly so, because the champ is in trouble. Well... He's got both arms barred behind him here, Pat, trying to lock him up to bring him over and switch him around on top to make those shoulders go down, and Backland in a great deal of pain. Skolin may look concerned, there's no question
8: about it, but I'm sure Skolan has a lot of confidence in Bob Backland. He has wrestled the toughest, the biggest, the strongest, off. and he came
7: out on top. Many of mine, we thought he was true, Pat. Oh! reaches down inside and pulls out something from somewhere like he's doing
8: right now well i think it's because simply he's a really really well conditioned
7: athlete oh oh he spun right around on that eyebrow and eye and that'll make seem a little tough from now on that he- is not really himself
8: he's favoring favoring that left arm he really is
7: him right down to his waist just about going to work now though picks him up for a slam he can't hold him and down he goes back and slipped that left arm down between their bodies and slipped right out of there in a hurry grab the arm sheik you can
8: actually hear blassie telling him get the arm get the arm and the sheik is listening to him
7: have to battle. You know what to do and when to do it. Sheik now applying tremendous pressure as Backlund cannot stay on his knees in this position if he expects to survive. When trying to come up now. When you look at Blassie, you really look
8: at him. He must be hypnotized, that man. Calling himself Ayatollah Blassie. Sick. Sick. Hypnotized. Money is everything to him. Backlund now trying
7: to power out of this nothing wrong with that right arm we can see that he's reversed it oh she turned it right around again and back on it too much pain to do anything about it
4: put the knee in the back
7: glassy Holland. put the knee in the back and And she heard him immediately put it back there
8: you know sometimes it really helps to have a manager out there in the at ringside because when you're going for a championship belt and you want to win so bad and sometimes you're over anxious. So if you can pay attention to a man outside the ring that can guide you, can really help you. Oh, well, you
7: don't think of everything. It's, it's tough to be in there doing it. You know, it, it's easy to second guess, and sometimes it's, it's easier to see from outside the ring is what you can do and what you can't do, as as opposed to being physically in there.
8: Oh, so many times I've watched myself uh, on the on the film uh, later on, and I'm saying to myself, I could have been doing this. I, I should have done that. But it's always I should have. When you're in there, you don't think the same way. Well,
7: hindsight, 20-20, Backlund now still trying to power out of this. That left hand is sort of just laying limp there. I, I can't see any muscle tone, too much of it, showing. So I know he's not putting any pressure on it. But that right arm is certainly forcing him over. And takes him over. Oh, nice maneuver by as He hooked both legs, but the chic using the boots, got out of that. Side headlock Takes back the over Right to her Head scissors Sheik didn't waste any time In turning around Oh, what a break this maneuver What a powerhouse bridge By Backland and he, Oh, he went for a backslide And he the couldn't arm, hold, him. Arm, Could hold him Could not hold him It's still a shoulder Would have been a beautiful oh. maneuver A backslide right there Might have caught him unsuspectingly Now Skolan came up on his feet Stolen, which usually never moves, came up on his feet, really worried. Now, she missed that big flying elbow, no one was home. But Bob Becker grimacing in pain. Arnold Stolen, watching intensely, nothing he could do but watch. Suplex now. No, Bob Becker slipped behind.
8: Blassie is no dummy. He has watched matches and films and films. Kick
0: the neck! Of cackling. Kick Backlick. the neck! The neck! Kick up.
7: She's now going for the camel clutch. Kick up. Kick him! Not sure what to do. Blassie's telling him to kick him. He's waiting for Bob to sit up. Kick the so neck! So he can grab that camel clutch of his. Kick him! Now he's got it. Pull, pull on it! Oh, look at the pressure he's putting up. on. It. Look at that. He's sitting right on that lower
8: back. Is he ever pulling on it? Pull on it! And Backlund's got a bad neck. Pull on
0: it! Oh, pull! Oh, it. Backlund pull did it. not submit. Arnold Schonlan threw something in the
7: submission
5: 50 seconds, the winner of this bout by submission, and the new World
0: Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, the Iron Sheik! Unbelievable
7: winner by submission, Bob Beckman did not give up, Pat, I could see that he gave up. I don't think he, he did. Out, it's bad, it's bad. It's bad.
2: To the, the eyes of Skolin. Maybe Backlund did give up. Now, remember, Iron Sheik only had this belt for about three weeks because Hulk Hogan became the WWF Heavyweight Champion on January 23rd, 1984. Iron Sheik, what you would call the quintessential transitional champion. They wanted to take the belt off of Backlund, put it on Hulk Hogan. But remember, at this time, the Backlund lost the title to the Iron Sheik. Hulk Hogan was still a part of the AWA. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole story behind Hogan's exit from the AWA, but the AWA, Hogan and Vern Gagne had some serious problems with money. And there was at one point where Vern Gagne wanted Hulk Hogan's, I believe his revenue from New Japan, and Hogan got on the phone, talked to Vince McMahon, and Hogan, who I believe was supposed to be facing Nick Bachwinkle at shows around this time in 1983, left, did not answer phone calls, and showed up in the WWF. In fact, Hogan showed up in the WWF less than one week after Backlund lost the title to the Iron Sheik. WWF had a show called Wrestling at the Chase that was at St. Louis, Missouri. And the date was December 27th, 1983. And on that show, we had the surprise return of Hulk Hogan, fresh off of the AWA. This
3: match is scheduled for one fall with a 10 minute time limit.
5: Introducing from Steubenville, Ohio, weighing in at 250 pounds, Bill Dixon.
3: power, tremendous and well, of course the music there, Vince McMahon from Rocky 3 and that's lifts the incredible Hulk Hogan survivor Eye of the Tiger side headlock right now by Dixon Dixon now shoved to the row boom, High. a shoulder block that would knock over a Mack truck look at the way the Hulk is put together that is all muscle, a mountain of it as well, Gene. Well, I'll tell you, this young man spending a considerable amount of time in the of that tremendous physique. In addition to the physique, the, oh, look at the power as the incredible Hulk Hogan simply picks up Dixon, lays him up on that top turnbuckle. And boy, does this crowd come to life here. Perhaps no one in professional wrestling today can electrify a crowd like Hulk Hogan easily done the takedown. More than a big fan, this fan also demonstrating some tremendous ability when it comes to professional wrestling. Beautiful takedown. Very nicely done. Hogan now rocking back with that 300 pound frame of his. The incredible Hulk Hogan, free spirit. Tremendous young man has has a number of different hobbies and absolutely lives and breathes this great sport of professional wrestling. Our Dixon, in the ropes referee. Oh, oh great great great. Great. No call for that. Dixon using aggressive tactics, perhaps desperate ones, actually against the man. So strong, so really huge is Hulk Hogan. A couple of slams into that top turnbuckle. It there. Reversal. And now the table's turn as the incredible Hulk Hogan takes Dixon into the turnbuckle. Swift into the rough to to the galbo. That level. Bill Dixon. And again, the incredible Hulk Hogan. Hogan now. Dixon off the rope. Runs it to a size. I would suspect, what, 14, 15? At least, at least. Got that boot high in the air, and that was just leveled. Dixon off the rope again, there's the hook, oh, forget about it. Close line. Dixon, thus far no match for Hulk Hogan, as Hogan very easily picks him up and lands into to the canvas. Down the huge leg, covering the chest. Gets it two in, make it three.
2: A lot of people think, looking back at history, that Hogan's WWF return was coming to the aid of Backlund, who was, I believe, being attacked by one of the Samoans on TV. I think it was both Samoans were out there. Backlund didn't have a partner. He went to the back and he brought back Hogan. I believe that's how the story... This actually was the first return appearance for Hogan in the WWF. And um, AWA was blindsided. They did not know that Hogan was leaving... One other little tidbit, Uh, someone else came along with Hulk Hogan to the WWF. This week in 1983, Mean Gene Oakland made his WWF debut as well. Now, I don't believe Mean Gene Oakland just got up and left as well. It's possible. Never bothered to research it, to be honest with you. But just think of that. In one week, the landscape of pro wrestling changed. Hogan, who was a gigantic star in the AWA, He's supposed to be facing Nick Bockwinkle on the AWA house show, but instead Hulk Hogan shows up wrestling some matarats, you know, on uh, WWF television. And uh, January twenty third, nineteen eighty four, Hogan is your WWF heavyweight champion. Now the same night as Backlund was losing the championship to the Iron Sheik. Macho Man Randy Savage was wrestling 1,200 miles away in Memphis, Tennessee, taking on Terry Taylor for the NWA Mid-America Heavyweight Championship. Macho Man had his father, Angelo Poffo, in his corner. And any time that I could sneak in a little bit of Lance Russell on these shows, I'm going to do it. And since a lot of you out there are only used to watching Macho Man in the WWF, WCW, you know, even for that one or two moments in TNA, you know you don't come across many high-profile matches uh, of Macho Man outside of those companies. I mean, you if you look for them, you'll get them. But for the most part, everybody sticks to just WWF and WCW. Well, here is highlights from a match that took place the same night as Backlund lost the Heavyweight Championship. And a little tidbit regarding um, Macho Man. If you go back to those TV shows back in 83-84, especially 83, uh, there was a young lady that would introduce some of the matches that you would see on TV. She would be on television, very, very cute brunette, very, very soft-spoken. And if you go on YouTube, and even if you search this match, You will see her introducing the television audience, what they're about to see, and that's none other than Miss Elizabeth. So enjoy it. 1983, Macho Man Randy Savage versus Terry Taylor for the NWA Mid-America Heavyweight Title.
6: to a head-scissors on Savage. Savage constantly busy. He's thrashing, hitting with a fist. He's doing everything. Foot on a rope. No, he didn't uh, have enough of it over, apparently, according to the referee. Head-scissors. Papo Angelo saying he's on his throat. The referee checks it. He's not. He's across the chin, apparently. And the champion, Terry Taylor, hanging on to that head scissors. Referee, Jerry Calhoun, again checking very close. One fall, 60 minutes, and Savage out of it, but a nice mare into a head scissors. Savage being held right down on the mat by Terry Taylor in a head scissors. Savage a former ICW heavyweight champion and Terry Taylor a former southern heavyweight title holder Wired into the rope big shoulder Randy goes under Taylor big shoulder goes to cover one. He can't hold him. He's a kicked out The macho man Savage rolled him up him. he had a hold of the tights i didn't know whether he saw it good move on the referee's part taylor hanging on to that head scissors i mean headlock what a fast pace we've started out first three minutes have been blazing both of these can go and imagine one at 231 the other at 235. savage goes to the hair and the referee pulls a hand out of it Terry Taylor hanging with that side, headlock. Terry Taylor up on his feet, still hanging on, and the Macho Man trying to get out of the powerful arms of Terry Taylor. Taylor really looks fit for this bout, uh, Randy.
9: He's ready, Lance. It's one of his toughest challenges ever. Randy
6: Savage, as you said earlier, he's crazy. And we certainly don't like to be this close
3: to ringside with him here. But Taylor's going to have a hard go tonight.
6: Yeah, there's uh, the building may be too close to be wherever Savage is. He's going after this title. He wants your recognition of a mid-america heavyweight title he dropped him on the atomic knee there and Taylor hit right on the end of the spine he's uh, on the canvas as Randy Savage comes over covers he up he'll never get a pin though not Taylor whoa boy he got closer than I thought two count nice move he took him down in a little jackknife Ooh. Good counter on the uh, small package. Savage rolls him up. One shoulder came up, left shoulder off. Nope, he's got a cold of the uh, tights again. And once again, the referee breaks it up. Angelo Popo claiming he's got a choco, No way. Randy Hales, Lance Russell at ringside. As we're watching the Mid-America Heavyweight title match between Terry Taylor Macho Man Randy Savage from the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. Terry using those strength and those arms to hold him in there on that side headlock. He's squeezing hard on him. That'll sap the strength, and Savage trying to get out of it by like grabbing a hair. Be able to hear Savage. He lets out these animal grunts and screams in there. He is sometimes totally berserk. Back over to the ropes, and that's going to call for a break as Taylor is bent back on the rope. Savage puts a knee right in the back. He was still on the but that didn't prevent Randy from banging him with that knee right up in the back. Double hands him from behind. Savage gets himself hyped up for a match. Boy, I'll tell you, like Joe LeDuc and uh, some of the other wilder types. And he's taking advantage the opportunity and with Terry Taylor slams him with a right fist comes back in on Taylor Popo is managing tonight whoa his disqualification and he was just about to get disqualified right then and there he was going to pile drive Taylor on the concrete floor Taylor rolled back into the ring Savage once again in, 60 minute bout, the crowd going crazy as Terry is first up, but Terry misses the elbow. Uh.
2: As a little bonus, I think you'll get a kick out of this. Do you remember what the Macho Man's theme music was at this time when he was wrestling in Memphis? Do you have any idea? It wasn't the same theme that he added in WWF or WCW. It wasn't the village people, macho, macho man. Believe it or not, I kid you not, this was Macho Man Randy Savage's theme, wrestling in the Memphis Territory in 83. Hey, I'm gonna make you no bullshit everyone hiring Cara of fame you see him coming out to it you know, look, it's, I I remember when the song came out, had a little of intensity to it, you know, uh, remember, remember, remember. But to see Macho Man coming out to it's a, just, you know, something you I don't think you would have expected. So, but anyway, there you go. And you know what, speaking of Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth, almost one year to the day of him winning that title, he married Macho Man Randy Savage in real life. Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth legitimately got married this week in 1984 1985 The NWA and the AWA Co-presented the event Star Wars from the Meadowlands In East Rutherford, New Jersey Matches from that night Ron Bass over J.J. Dillon Little Tokyo over Cowboy Lang To retain the NWA World Midgets title Yes, there really was one Sherry Martel over Debbie Combs To retain the AWA Women's Championship Carlos Colon over Conga the Barbarian. Jake the Snake Roberts over Paul Ellering, Rock and Roll Express over the Long Riders. Sergeant Slaughter over Chris Markov and Boris Zukov in a handicap match. For the United States Championship, Magnum TA retains the title over Tully Blanchard. Ric Flair over Dusty Rhodes by DQ to retain the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. You had the Road Warriors over Ivan Koloff and Krusha Khrushchev and Stan Hansen over Rick Martell to win the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. Do not hold this to me. I am not sure. Unfortunately, since I don't talk to him anymore, I'm not going to ask him. I think this is the night where Road Warrior Hawk stood in the jungle room at the Q Motor Inn because right around this time, the Mass Maniac was doing ring crew and he also would help with some of the transportation and the lodging for some of the wrestlers. He was doing it for a couple of years, and he became friendly with Road Warrior Hawk. Anybody that listens to the other shows, especially on Patreon, you have heard me talk about this story before. I think this is the weekend that the Mass Maniac booked Road Warrior Hawk. You gave me the jungle room! (laughs) Oh my God, pleasant memories, man. 1987, Las Vegas, Nevada. Medusa defeats Candy Devine to win the AWA Women's Championship. Sherry Martell, who you heard I brought up in the 85 results, she was the women's champion in the AWA earlier in the year. She left to go to the WWF. A lot of people would abruptly leave. And the title was vacant in the AWA for about six months. So they did a tournament. And Medusa... Being involved in a tournament for a women's title happens more than once this week in wrestling history. But this is the first one. Medusa defeats Candy Divine to become the AWA World Women's Championship. Wrapping up 1987, Vader makes his New Japan Pro Wrestling debut. And what a debut it was. Go on YouTube, listen to Vader do interviews remembering this. You know, at that time, Antonio Inoki was God in Japan. Think Hogan in the 80s, here in the United States, even overseas. Think The Rock in the 90s, 2000s era. That's what Inoki was for Japan and pro wrestling. Vader comes in, debuts for New Japan, takes on Antonio Inoki, beats him in about three minutes, and Inoki had a multi-year undefeated streak. It was like seven, eight, or nine years So to have Vader come in, beat Inoki, but not only beat him, but beat him in less than three minutes caused a near fucking riot. And some of the footage of the match is online and Vader just beats the shit out of Inoki. And props to Inoki for bringing in Vader the way he did. I mean, just as a dominant monster. Just a shame that the video footage does not keep going to show what, transpired later on with the fans just in an absolute outrage of what they had just witnessed but still if you want to go check out this match it is available online so now we go to 1988 and I definitely need to advise everyone that you know when we get around Thanksgiving time you get a plethora of Survivor Series events this week which was always the tradition for the most part for WCW and the NWA they would air Starcade. So expect a lot of quick recaps looking at Starcade because there are numerous years that fall into this week with Starcade. I do have a couple of matches that we're going to highlight and share some audio clips of, some very controversial ones, and a little research that was added to it as well. So, first we go to Starcade 88. And the match results, Kevin Sullivan and Dr. Death, Steve Williams over the Fantastics. You had the Midnight Express over the original Midnight Express, which was Dennis Condry and Randy Rhodes with Paulie Dangerously in their corner. The Russian Assassins with Paul Jones over the Junkyard Dog and Ivan Koloff. For the NWA TV title, Rick Steiner wins it, defeating Mike Rotunda. For the United States Championship, Barry Windham retains, defeating Bam Bam Bigelow. Sting and Dusty Rhodes defeat the Road Warriors by DQ, so the Road Warriors remain the NWA Tag Team Champions. For the World Heavyweight Championship, Ric Flair retains over Lex Luger. And as a dark match that day, they had a $50,000 bunkhouse, Battle Royal, Junkyard Dog won it. Now, 19, and you know what was big about this starcade was right after that started the feud between Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair. So, you know, that was a really memorable feud that would transpire on the beginning of 1989. And then we would obviously have it lead to Terry Funk and we know the rest of it. 1990, Luthez wrestles his last ever pro wrestling match, took on his protege. And a lot of people may not even know that Masahiro Chono was a protege of Luthez. Luthez wrestled in Japan, age 74, defeated Masahiro Chono, and that match is available online if you want to go check it out. 1991 Starcade Battle Bowl Lethal Lottery. Marcus Bagwell and Jimmy Garvin over Michael Hayes and Tracy Smothers. Steve Austin and Rick Rude over Van Hammer and Big Josh. Dustin Rhodes and Richard Morton over Larry Zbyszko and El Gigante. Talk about this weird team. Bill Kazmaier and Jushin Thunder Lager over Diamond Dallas Page and Mike Graham. Lex Luger and Arn Anderson over Terrence Taylor and The Z-Man. Ricky Steamboat and Todd Champion over Cactus Jack and Buddy Lee Parker. Sting and Abdullah the Butcher over Brian Pillman and Bobby Eaton. Big Van Vader and Mr. Hughes over Rick Steiner and the Night Stalker. Scott Steiner and Firebreaker Chip over Rock the Man and Johnny B. Badd. Ron Simmons and Thomas Rich over Steve Armstrong and PN News. And Sting defeats Lex Luger to win Battle Bowl. 1992. Got a couple of audio clips. Now, unfortunately, we don't have any matches to share. And it's a character that, you know, you interview Kane and you're not someone that he's friends with or maybe someone from the business. He may not pleasantly look back at it and even want to talk about it. I always remember that recent interview where somebody immediately wanted to bring up, you know, the fake diesel and he just didn't want to do the interview. And, you know, there's a lot of other circumstances that were surrounding that interview. I don't blame Kane for not doing it. But uh, back in 92, Kane in Memphis, Tennessee, wrestled as the Christmas creature for a little while, just during Christmas season. And um, just do a Google image search of it. He's just wearing like a masked outfit, and it's the colors of Christmas. There's glitter, there's lights. Everybody remembers Chris Jericho with the lighted jacket. I don't know if you've ever seen the Christmas Creatures outfit. It's pretty impressive for 1992. Horrible gimmick, but um, as you will hear, there's actually a little backdrop as far as who came up with this design idea. And um, kudos for Kane for really trying to make it work. You know, you always look at horrible gimmicks. Yeah, the Christmas Creature gimmick was not good. But for campy wrestling in 1992, kid-friendly show, you have a Christmas creature, which ultimately lost. And once Christmas was over, the gimmick was over because this week in 1992, the Christmas creature, Kane, he wrestled against Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler was a champion at the time, and it was a mask versus title match. Christmas creature would lose. He would be forced to unmask, and with that... The Christmas Creature was over. But here are a couple of minutes of comments made by Jerry King Lawler, Glenn Jacobs, Kane, and Madman Pondo, who wrestled at that time in Memphis and was on a lot of these shows that featured The Christmas Creature. Interesting to hear their thoughts on this character.
4: One of the first time I was down in Memphis for TV... um, we were me and another guy and I can't even remember his name at this point. It was so long ago and we haven't kept in touch, but we were uh like the Russian uh Russian Olympic champions or something like that. And <laughs> of course we came you were. in and, and, and did yeah, and did a couple shots uh you know, for you guys and that's how Kevin met me. And then he calls me a, Calls me later, and this is December. And, uh, yeah, he's got this idea for an evil uh, evil Christmas character, the, the Christmas creature.
3: Man, look at that Christmas creature. He gets one, two, three. He just picked Trey Keller up by his throat and slammed him down in there. He's looked totally awesome in this now. He took care of Trey Keller and got the one, two, three. He is huge. There's no doubt about it. Prentice
4: was yelling during the movie. Yeah, tell Jerry Lawler about him, I I guarantee you Jerry Lawler knows about him, this guy is huge, he comes in all decked out in red, white and green, with the tinsel wrapped around, including the mask, they call him the Christmas creature. Well, I tell you what, he, he may be dressed in, uh, in, uh, Christmas colors, but he is certainly not. And, um, uh, you know, the, the thing is, it's funny because I have these, I have these gimmicks and we've all had them through the years, but for some reason, everybody always likes to talk about my old gimmicks probably cause they weren't very good. Uh, <laughs> and I always want to say, you know, I did a lot of stuff after that that was really good, you know, but <laughs> the, the early on stuff, not so much, but anyway, yeah. So my mom made me this, this costume and, uh, and oh, with and Hang, up, had, hang oh, on, hang you, on. Glenn, you said your mom yeah. actually made that? Yeah, my mom made the costume. She sure did. Oh, um, my gosh. See, I it, had no
5: idea that. I thought that was some really.
4: kind of crazy concoction that Kevin had
9: come up with. And no, I, I've no, always he, held he, that
4: against Kevin. <laughs> Kevin designed it. My mom made it. Um, oh. But Kevin did design it. But it even had, it even had like flashing. I mean, it was way ahead of its time. It even had flashing lights with a battery packing and the whole thing. You uh, were way ahead. Of, you were he, way it, ahead of Chris Jericho on that, weren't you? Yeah, I was. <laughs> it didn't quite have the success of Jericho, but it was way ahead of him technologically.
10: <laughs> yeah, Buddy Wayne comes in the locker room, and this is in Memphis, and he's got his cup of coffee, and his tongue is doing this, and there's all these guys in the locker room, and Buddy Wayne comes straight for me, and, and he says, "Uh, Boy, uh, what you doing with that elbow and that knee pad on? And I said, I don't know. Because I had a plastic elbow pad and a plastic knee pad. And he says, uh, well, uh, what you going to do with them things? Because I was wrestling with Jeff Jarrett that day. I, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. He says, well, why you got them on? I said, well, for a show. He says, God damn it. And what he's doing, he's showing off to... All the big names, Bill Dundee was there, uh, Jerry the King Law, Moon Dogs, you know, all these guys was, and he's showing off to them using me, and he says, God damn it, that's why uh, our business is dying today. Because all you kids treat it like a show. If you treat it like a business, we'd be doing all right, but you got to treat it like a goddamn show. And he turned around he was walking down the hallway with his cup of coffee and there was these two double doors. And I stop him and I say, excuse me, Mr. Wayne. And he turns around and I said, have you met the Christmas creature? And Christmas creature was dressed. He had Christmas lights and tinsel from his nose and, you know, just was a fucking character. And he hated it. But, uh, you know, everybody laughed. And Buddy Wayne got mad and turned around and walked away. And then, uh, when I got home, Kevin Lawler called me and said that I wasn't allowed to come back down and do TV over that. Why? Well, he didn't say over that, but you know, he said we'd like think it's better if you don't come down and do TV anymore. And I'm pretty sure that's why. Like, like Glenn told me, uh, that was all Kevin Lawler's idea. I don't even remember who made the outfit, but. I remember he was not happy about it, um, but he kept that outfit, and when I was taking him on the road, we went to Central City, Kentucky, we was working for a guy named Pee Wee, and Pee Wee's like, uh, can you bring that Christmas creature outfit? I remember Glenn's eyes just like, oh, fuck, are you kidding me?
2: 1992, WCW presents Starcade and brings back Battle Bowl once again from Atlanta, Georgia, at the Omni. You had Van Hammer and Danny Spivey over Johnny B. Bad and Cactus Jack. Big Van Vader and Dustin Rhodes over Kensuke Sasaki and the Barbarian. Brian Pillman and Two Cold Scorpio lose to the Great Muta and Barry Windham. Doctor Dutch Steve Williams, and Sting defeat Jushin Thunder Lager and Eric Watts. Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat over Barry Windham and Brian Pillman to retain the NWA and WCW tag titles. Sting over Vader to win the King of Cable tournament. Ron Simmons over Dr. Dead Steve Williams to retain the WCW heavyweight title. Masahiro Chono over the Great Muta to retain the NWA world heavyweight title. But the Great Muta would go on to win Battle Bowl last eliminating Barry Windham. Now, when I said earlier that I was going to be closing out episode 52 with the audio clip out of place, we're going to save a moment from the Macho Man Randy Savage from 1992 to play at the very end of this episode. I don't think anybody will object to it. So, 1993, WCW Starcade from Charlotte, North Carolina. Main event that day was Ric Flair versus Van Vader with Harley Race in his corner. And at the beginning of the pay-per-view, Kind of felt like a scene from Rocky, one of the Rocky movies. They show Vader what he is doing the day of preparation for the match. He's in the gym. He's training with Harley Race. He's pissed off. He can't wait to get his hands on Ric Flair. They show the cameras. Ric Flair at his home. Mean Gene Oakland is there as well. He's got a suit on. He's hugging his wife. He's kissing his very young children at the time. And it was, you know, like just a, Comparison of what their days were like It reminded me of one of the Rocky movies And I gotta tell you As a wrestling fan at that time WCW did a phenomenal job Building up Vader as a goddamn monster Because I could tell you m- Me and my friends We thought Ric Flair had no shot Of beating Vader for the heavyweight championship That's how good Not only Vader was, but how good they built him up as a monster. And we will play highlights of that match momentarily. First, the other matches on the card. Pretty wonderful with the Assassin in their corner over two Cold Scorpio and Mark Bagwell with Teddy Long in their corner. Shockmaster over King Kong with Awesome Kong in his corner. That is not karma, by the way. Lord Steven Regal, he retains the TV title. He fought Ricky Steamboat to a time limit draw. Cactus Jack and Max Payne over Tex Lassinger and Shanghai Pierce. Steve Austin wins the United States Championship over Dustin Rhodes. It was a two-out-of-three-falls match. Steve Austin got the pinfalls two to nothing. For the WCW International World Heavyweight title, Rick Rude retains over the boss. Sting and Road Warrior Hawk defeat the Nasty Boys... However, it was by disqualification, so the Nasty Boys remain the WCW World Tag Team Champions. And in the main event, Ric Flair defeats Vader with Harley Race in his corner to win the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Here are the closing moments of that match, and the crowd just ate it up.
5: a disqualification, a count out, he's out of the sport. He had to do it. You're right, he had to go for broke. Absolutely, there was nowhere other direction
0: he could go to me. What a fight we are seeing, it's He bit him.
5: He can barely stand himself. It's been a physical battle. I've seen Flair go 60 minutes, but only 20 minutes with Bader is like 60 minutes with most guys because of his size. Notice how Vader can get a second win quickly.
4: Ah,
5: ah, ah, ah. Well, four well right look at this fader driving in the knee or the elbow into the face oh this thing is this thing is just full of drama and emotion fans standing in unison with Ric Flair with that figure four leg lock but it didn't work. Vader going up to the top again. He better get up there not waste his time. He's going going all the way up. The big man's going for it off. Moonsault! Incredible! (laughs)
0: you <laughs>
2: Now with that Starcade, things would dramatically change in WCW because Hulk Hogan would come in and by Starcade 94 which took place this week in history as well from Nashville Tennessee you could see how the card started to change quite a bit matches Vader over Hacksaw Jim Duggan to win the United States Championship Alex Wright over Jean-Paul Levesque and yes that was triple h when he wrestled in wcw at one point you know bobby Heenan is making fun of alex wright's nickname he was das wonder kid at one point he calls him das wonder kid you not johnny b bad over Arn anderson to retain the wcw tv championship there was a little bit of a backstory behind this that originally the honky tonk man was supposed to face johnny b bad but they had some type of problems, I guess, with the you know the finish of uh, the match, and um, Eric Bischoff, as a result, vowed he would never use Honky Tonk Man again. It's in, I think it's in Bischoff's book, believe it or not. Nasty Boys over Harlem Heat by DQ, and uh, as a result, the titles do not change. Mr. T over Kevin Sullivan, Sting over the Avalanche, and Hulk Hogan over The Butcher. To retain the WCW Heavyweight Championship, 1995 Starcade from Nashville, Tennessee, and people still point out to this day that this was uh, just not only one of their worst Starcades to ever take place, but one of the poorest as far as pay-per-view buy rates go. And they decided they were going to do a uh, like almost like a tournament, a world. They called it the World Cup of Wrestling. You had wrestlers from WCW taking on wrestlers from New Japan. And yes, I know today's day, a lot of people are fans of New Japan. But will they come in record droves on a consistent basis or buy it on pay-per-view? These days, yeah, there's a more than likely chance of it. Back then, I was very surprised at how poor the pay-per-view buy rate turned out to be. I mean, it was really, really bad. But here's the match results from that night. Jushin Thunderlager representing New Japan over Chris Benoit representing WCW. I think you can figure out who represents who. Koji Kanemoto over Alex Wright to retain the IWGP junior heavyweight title. Lex Luger over Masahiro Chono. Johnny B. Baird over Masa Saito. Shinjiro Otani over Eddie Guerrero. Randy Savage over Tenzan. Sting over Kensuki Sazaki. To win the World Cup of Wrestling for WCW. And you also had some non-World Cup matches that night. Ric Flair over Lex Luger and Sting by count out to become the number one contender for the WCW Heavyweight title. And as a result, Ric Flair would face Randy Savage at the end of the pay-per-view. Defeat Savage and wins the WCW World Heavyweight title. 1995, I was there. It was awesome, ECW made its first appearance in New York City for a card. It was at the Lost Battalion Hall, Queens Boulevard, Queens, New York, I still remember it. Fond memories, I just, it was awesome. To have ECW finally coming to New York, and I'm not talking Staten Island, I'm talking Queens, my neck of the woods. Less than a 10 minute drive from my house, it was awesome. And I'm going to share with you one of the matches from that night that I still laugh to this day. and love how Mick Foley used to troll the fans. First, we had Taz over Koji Nakagawa, JT Smith over Hack Myers, Mikey Whipwreck over two Colt Scorpio to win not only the World Tag titles, but the TV title. And Mikey Whipwreck was allowed to choose who his tag team champion would be. He chose Cactus Jack. And if you remember, shortly after this, Cactus Shack would leave to go to WWE as Mankind. And Cactus's last match in ECW was against Mikey Whipper. The Eliminators over the Pitbulls, Tommy Dreamer over the Blue Meanie, Tommy Dreamer over Stevie Richards, Raven then defeats Tommy Dreamer to earn a title shot for the East WWE title later on in that night. You had uh, Bruiser, Bruiser Mastino over Alberto Riqueño, Bubba Ray Dudley over the Blue Mini, The Salmon over Raven to retain the East WFA title. The Gangsters over the Public Enemy. And this was one of the last appearances for the Public Enemy. Remember all the please don't go, you sold out, chance. They were going to WCW. There was nothing stopping them. It was done. And the match that I always remember from this night was Sabu versus Cactus Jack. Referee Pee Wee Moore was supposed to be the original referee. And Cactus Jack, you know, was advertised as a death match. We expected tables, chairs, weapons, just hardcore brutality. Sabu and Cactus Jack always put on an awesome match. So here we're expecting them to have a death match. Cactus Jack comes out and decides he's going to troll the fans. And I'll let you hear for yourself.
1: get started, and that is WCW sucks. <laughs> this winner. You know, I enjoy being your tag team champion, and God knows I love being hardcore, and I want you people to know that all the terrible things I said were not directed at the New York audience because I am a New Yorker and I never put down any of my homeboys. I just want to tell you one quick story and then we'll get on to some action, all right? You see, I feel, and I feel like New Yorkers can appreciate this, that a lot of people, Missy, you included, do look up to the ECW guys. And I don't know how many of you seen a friend of mine, John, on the ECW telecast, the kid in the wheelchair. Everyone know John? And sometimes from time to time he'll hand his crutch to one of the wrestlers. And I remember one time I looked at John before a trip and I said, John, I'll see you at the show. And with a tear in his eye, he said, Cactus, I can't make it because I don't have a ride. Wait, Sabu. Sabu will be here, okay, just listen. So I said, John, not to worry, I'll give you a ride. On the way back from that show, John told me, Cactus, I just wanna let you know that this has been a dream of mine to drive with you. And tonight, we're about to make another dream come true. Because I think you realize that when Sabu left one time earlier, he was under the impression that everybody out here thought that he was nothing but a guy that broke tables and used chairs. And tonight, in fulfillment of Sabu's dream, we're not gonna break any tables. We're not gonna use any chairs. What? But I'm gonna bring that young man out here and we're gonna have one hell of an Olympic rules wrestling match. Olympic Olympic. And for this occasion, I am bringing out the man who has refereed more NCAA championship matches than anyone on history. Come on out here, Pee-Wee. Referee John Pee-Wee Moore. Well, he can't officiate amateur wrestling. Is this a rib? Picture for pee Moore.
11: Excuse me, the rules of the NCAA are as followed. There will be two points awarded for each takedown. This is a joke, right? There will be one point awarded for each escape. Stalling will result in a warning. If stalling continues to occur, a point will be taken away. The match is to take place inside the ring. If a wrestler reaches the ropes, he will lose a point, and the match will be restarted in the center of the ring. This has got to be a big joke. Forms of striking will be strictly prohibited. Striking includes punching, kicking, any form of pots, pans, chairs, and table will not be allowed in this match. I do you not think we are? Is. Atlanta? This contestant is fine with the rules. Let's get the match underway.
1: This is one big big, horrible joke, isn't it? Jack! 22 pounds, this is Sabu!
2: AAA Olympic rules. Loved it. I loved it. And you know, it was funny. I saw it up close and personal live at the Lost Battalion Hall. When I watched it back on home video and hearing Joey Styles' commentary made it that much funnier. I mean, it was just so entertaining to see it. But uh, Mick Foley, I mean, he one time wrestled uh, an absolutely boring match that year in ECW. Fans started doing the wave. He was yawning in the ring. I mean, Mick Foley really knew how to troll the fans. And this this night was a lot of fun. It really was. Fond memories of Holiday Hell, 1995, 1996. Starcade once again, Nashville, Tennessee. Ultimo Dragon over Dean Malenko to unify. WCW Cruiserweight and J Crown Championships. Akira Hokuto defeats Medusa in a tournament final to win the WCW Women's Championship. Did you even know that WCW had a women's title? Believe it or not, they created this women's championship. They started a tournament on Monday Nitro. A lot of people may have forgot about it, or may not even remember it. November of 96, WCW started doing a tournament on TV on Nitro and it featured Akira Hokuto, Chigusa Nagayo, Karo Mako Satomura, Sonoko Kato. Um, You also had Medusa, obviously. And the tournament would lead to a final match that would take place at Starcade. So you had Akira Hokuto, who is awesome, by the way. Anybody out there is a fan of women's wrestling these days and never heard of Akira Hokuto, do some research. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But she goes on to defeat Medusa to win the WCW Women's Championship and she really, you know, the title was disbanded within a couple of months. I mean, it, I mean it, it 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 lasted until September of 97, but I think there was only one title defense between late 96 to the summer of 97 might have taken place once. And if I remember correctly, it was the Great American Bash. It was just incredible. They created this women's title. And think about it. Think of the era. Medusa comes back to WCW, throws the WWF women's title in the trash. There's no women's championship really being defended in the United States for the most part. WCW creates a women's title. And then within a year, it's disbanded. They did nothing with it. Jusha Dundalaga over Rey Mysterio Jr., Jeff Jarrett over Chris Benoit, The Outsiders over the Faces of Fear to retain the tag titles. You had Eddie Guerrero over Diamond Dallas Page to win the vacant WCW heavyweight title, Lex Luger over the Giant, and in the main event, Roddy Piper over Hollywood Hogan by TKO. And as people will always point out, that a lot of fans thought that Piper won the heavyweight title because they never mentioned that the title was not on the line. And that's kind of fucked up. I mean, would you call that a dusty finish, so to speak? Or is that just cheap? They never said that the title was on the line, so we're not supposed to automatically believe the title was on the line. Whatever. (laughs) WCW, 1997, Starcade. We have another match we will definitely highlight from this card. Probably one of the biggest matches ever to take place in WCW. And not only that, they drew 700,000 pay-per-view buys for this event. That's crazy. For WCW standards, I mean, look, Starcade is their WrestleMania. But by far, that is the, the most bought WCW pay-per-view in its history. And this was the card that night. Eddie Guerrero over Dean Malenko to win the Cruiserweight Championship. The NWO, which consisted of Scott Norton, Randy Savage, and Vincent over Ray Trailer and the Steiners, Goldberg over Steve Mongolic Michael, Saturn over Chris Benoit, Buff Bagwell over Lex Luger, Diamond Dallas Page over Kurt Henning to win the United States title, Larry Zabisco over Eric Bischoff to retain Monday Nitro for WCW, and Bret Hart was the special guest referee. And, you know, you look back when the NWO took over Nitro, and you see people who really weren't even alive at that time saying, oh, it was a disaster, what?" and it took a half hour, and it killed the ratings. You know, a lot of people were really invested in, in this match between Zabisco and Eric Bischoff, because the winner was going to retain ownership of Nitro. Bischoff representing NWO, Zabisco representing WCW. And you look at the match itself, it was, you know, nothing. I mean, Bischoff's not a wrestler, but it was things like that that piqued people's interest. 700,000 pay-per-view buys, but the match that really sold the pay-per-view was Sting versus Hollywood Hogan for the Heavyweight Championship. And, you know, look, a lot of people will not really focus on this, but the ending was botched. Now, what was supposed to happen was Nick Patrick, who's the referee, and remember, he always favored NWO. By the way, Nick Patrick always made me laugh. And if you watch this match, you'll see what I'm talking about and you'll laugh as well. For some reason, every time when Nick Patrick as a referee would get hit by someone, someone would just nail him with a shot, he would fall. But when he would fall, he would wail his arms up in the air like he's you know, directing planes into an airport. He would just put his hands up in the air and he would fall. And I would laugh every time he did it. And he did it again in this match. But what was supposed to happen at the end was Sting was beating up Hogan. All right, and Hogan got a pin on Sting, but Nick Nick Patrick was supposed to count it very fast. One, two, three. And then Bret Hart would be pissed off. Remember, Bret Hart was a referee early in the night. So Bret Hart, quote unquote, still had his referee's license. Bret Hart was supposed to be pissed at it. So to confront Nick Patrick for the fast count, he would, you know, knock out Nick Patrick, restart the match, and Bret Hart would be your referee and then Sting would go on to defeat Hogan by DQ and everybody would go home happy the problem is that Nick Patrick did not count fast so when you see Bret Hart arguing with Nick Patrick and the announcers say you know like trying to insinuate there was a fast count it wasn't there was nothing wrong with the pinfall sting lost but that's how they wanted to play it and you look back on it you know look sting won the title it was a great build to this starcade And fans went home happy, and that's the most important part of it. Um, Pretty funny looking back on the end and just noticing that uh, Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton tried to interfere, but no other members of the NWO did. But anyway, here are highlights from that match. Sting versus Hollywood Hogan for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship.
0: shadow falls over his soul. From the ashes of his great man, is revealed to curse. A wrong that must be righted. We look to the skies for a vindicator. Someone to strike fear into the black hearts of the same man who created him. The battle between good and evil has begun. Against an army of shadows comes a dark warrior. The purveyor of good. With a voice of silence and a mission of justice, this is State.
5: Franchise of the entire organization, with Nick Patrick the referee. No lack of controversy surrounding that choice, guys. Man, it, I, it's just breathtaking, it, it it's was breathless. A, it was a random yeah. choice, I know. And I mean, even you know, this is breathtaking. This really is the same look that he has had now for 18 months. Cold. He has only smiled one time on our television program. The same look he gave Hogan. Remember, the same look he gave Hogan the night the contract was signed. And look at the arms. Looking really good, Sting. Hogan shoves and a slap to the face. The bell, we are off and running. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so glad you could be with us for this moment. We anticipated the return of Sting to be punctuated with exclamation points. The reality of the matter is that they come with
12: question marks. What kind of condition is Sting going to be in for this matchup against Hogan? Is he going to show any signs of ring rust? Not in the ring competitively
5: for well over a year. But you know, let me respond to that by saying of all Sting's attributes when he was ruling WCW, Cardiovascular conditioning, strength, endurance, the way he put on the Scorpion deathlock at that time. His number one attribute, his number one characteristic, his number one driving force was his heart. And I don't think that is something that you can get in a gymnasium. In a gym. Well, you know, as y'all were and I was looking closely as they maneuvered around. Fast paced is not the clue here it's got to be really thought out and and and, and don't make mistakes if steam is in all the things tony says you know and you said i do like that he might be and this way i doubt that he is he looks in great condition great shape steady in his eyes but let's go to the other side of the coin hollywood hulk hogan there has never been an athlete in our industry or in, in an, any industry that has kept the imagination of the fans and has been at the height of battle as this guy. And I really believe it burns inside of him that Sting has to be beaten by him and nobody else. Hogan gets the first big shot in and Sting gets rocked down to one knee. But he bounces back up the sting. Oh! big plumbing forearm and Sting bounces back up again. Come on, hero! Come on, hero! That word, hero, has to be a sticking point with Hollywood Hogan. Remember, for so many years, Hogan was a hero to many wrestling fans, many of these fans around the world as much as anyone, the hero that Sting has become for wrestling fans worldwide, for WCW fans, for WCW personnel. He represents all of us. You can see the offensive attack now starting to build for Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Back against the wall, knows he's got to come out and get it done himself. Nobody else can do it for him. Got to defend the honor of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Not so much the New World Order, as far as I'm concerned. It's Hollywood Hulk Hogan and Sting. This is, boom, what it's all, what it's all about. i even giving sound effects, I'm so yeah, excited. Sure. He rolls out of the way three times. Back up to his feet is Sting. Sting, oh, hey, drop kick. How hey. about that? Hey. Petented Sting drop kick. It sure was. Throws him to the floor. Yeah, yeah. A lot of spring in those legs. And maybe he has been off a long time, but you can see the he is in tremendous shape. Let's also think of the long-term impact that this match is gonna have on professional wrestling. 1998 and the years beyond. WCW, very important. We already won the first battle tonight. Zabisco defeating Bischoff. Now this is the opportunity to capture the war. I'll go one step further. We've won two big battles. We've won the U.S. heavyweight title back. We've won Nitro back. Now, what would it be? What would it feel like tomorrow night when we're lying in Baltimore not only to have the U.S. title, not only to have our program back, but to have Sting with the world title belt? Remember, Hogan and the battles he had with Piper would come out and lie and the reason he could lie was because he still had that world title belt around his waist very cautious sting has taken a, a cautious approach never got over anxious so far in this battle as he took some heavy blows from hollywood hulk hogan now hogan right back to what brought him to the dance going back to wrestling got a headlock on sting into the ropes hogan runs right Sting on that one. The he hit the rough sting. Leapfrog. that Look at that drop kick. So high up. Cut so him up. again. Sends him out. Sting sends him down with a variety of drop kicks. And the question was, has he lost anything? I think he's gained something here. Well, he certainly has unleashed an attack with those drop kicks in the opening minutes of this match, and it has Hogan reeling. Nick Patrick sending Sting back to the middle of the ring as Hogan walks around. You know what that's so far so good You Nick Patrick too. Yeah, I think so. A, has a good been job. a factor and that, that's really the best thing you yeah, can say about any official, if you don't recognize them, if you don't see them having an impact on yeah. the match. Yeah, you don't want to see them, except when they're there for the one, two, three. Hogan slows things down. One thing Sting does not want, and that's a count but Nick Patrick holding Sting back. Every time Sting goes, advances towards Hogan, Nick will restart the ten count on the outside. Back in, here we go. Hogan really letting the fans yeah. get under his skin here. But I think it's a nice pace that Sting has set. You know what I mean? Not getting over anxious and and, and using his drop kicks, striking early, but staying and focused in his mind. Whoa. Whoa. Side headlock and that was a massive one, hooking onto Hogan. You can hear. Maybe that answers some of the questions we had about the power and strength of Sting as he was easily able to maintain that side headlock despite Hogan trying to shove him off. Gentlemen, it's a completely different look, I know, but I can safely say right now, Sting has never looked better. And Hogan has got a good wide vertical base trying to maybe power out of this side headlock can he? Trying we, to fight it off with a top wrist lock attempt and Sting shows his strength. Yeah, we forget about Hogan sometime and the power he has. I mean, and and you've seen right there as he started to, to power out of that thing to a top wrist lock, Sting went ahead and clamped back down on it. And and each second that goes by in, in this matchup right here, it's Sting's pace, it's Sting's game. He can win this thing if he uses his head. Down goes Hogan a shoulder block. now staying again. This time ducks a Lariat, but couldn't duck that one. Good maneuver by Hogan. We talk about mistakes, Iron Mike. See what I'm saying? Mistakes bring Gordon off. Something bad happens sometime. Right now, Hogan has Sting down. Now I'll give you another mistake. Hogan wheeling around laughing. Looking out of the fans that time, and he needs to go back to the point of attack. Remember, this is the man the WCW franchise player who gets up for the vertical suplex. No effect on that vertical suplex None. takeover by Hogan. Oh, yes, sir. Where, where, where? Take where? that, NWO. Yeah. Yeah. Where? Right here. Right and left combinations. And Stink sends a loud message to the NWO, but gets shoved in the eyes that time. Hogan back to the face again. Right back on the attack. I guarantee you, guys, he knows and understands what needs to be done to beat Steam. Can he do it? I, I, I guarantee you, it's going through his mind right now. What I need to do, all the fanfare is over with, to beat Steam. On, come on. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, the With that, and Sting may be out cold. The baseball bat that Sting has used to fight off the NWO in the past 15 months, Hogan uses it, and now sends him shoulder first
6: into the steel post.
5: Momentum starting to swing towards Hollywood Hulk Hogan and the new World Order, the champion now starting to go to town. I don't know what that says in the front of it, but he shoves it in Sting's face and now starts to pelt Sting. As you can see, Sting right now suffering a severe beating. You can not only see it, you can hear the fist on the head. of Hollywood Hogan runs his head into the apron. Big right hands from Hogan, knocking the face paint off on Sting. That's nothing new for Sting. Into the... Well, Sting goes down hard. Into the safety one. Here he comes! Oh. oh! Missed that Stinger splash. Nobody home oh. on the outside. Nobody home, guys. As this match goes on, you you become familiar once again with the trademark maneuvers. The drop kicks, we saw the Stinger splash, but to no avail there. The kicks in the corner, That's right, it it reminds us of all that Sting has brought to the sport. All the trademark maneuvers, the things that made him one of the true great stars and world champions of our time. But now at the mercy of one of the best, many people feel the best ever, and that is an argument. That has a lot of validity. Hogan rears back! And Sting goes down. Now, Nick Patrick just got over there right there. Yeah. And Sting went down in the heat. He got Hogan rolling back in the ring right here. Good call by Nick Patrick. Hogan rolls back out, breaks the count. Hogan will attempt to, I'm sure, not only win the match, but also try to destroy Sting, wouldn't you think? And I often brought up this question. How far would Sting take it when he knows he has Hogan beat him? Will he go just to win or to destroy the man? I mean, there's a hatred that has ruled yeah. our sport for 18 months. Yeah, but that's a win. It's a win situation for of these guys here. Like I said, the fanfare and the fireworks are over. It's burning just as bad in Hollywood Hogan's as it does in Sting. Now go back to your question. What would it take when you're injured or down like Sting is to come back to get back on top of this situation. Well, and especially you have to keep in mind that the prize to the winner, the most prestigious championship in our sport. Tony, you talked about the history before. Behind that World's Heavyweight Championship belt. Sting needs to bring that belt home to WCW. Sting down. Bret Hart is there. Bret Hart's at ringside. I happen
0: again. to happen again. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> that That was three. No, sir, that was three. What do you think?
5: I'll tell you what. Nick Patrick made the three count, and Bret Hart certainly doesn't seem to agree. Oh. No, he doesn't. He's got Hogan. Well, Bret Hart is here tonight as a referee, is that right? Is You're, that correct? He's is official. he a referee? Signed as an official? Yes! Right here, you got it! He's signaling for a restart! Ring the bell! The
0: yeah. bell is ringing! Into the corner! There is that didn't miss! Hooked him up right there, guys!
5: Hogan trying to stop him, hooking onto the top rope! Members of the N.W. have arrived! Buff Bagwell! They're clear of the ring now. Bret Hart again. Stinger splash out to the top. Can he put it on him? Can he put it on him, guys? Here comes Sting. It's gonna bring back the Scorpion deathlock. Pointing at Bret Hart. Trying to get him over. Can he get him turned?
0: There it is. Set down on him. Check it out. The winner, and new heavyweight champion of the world, Sting! Baby, the crowning jewel for WCW, this is a uh,
5: celebration time. Ladies and gentlemen, Sting has brought it back. the face! Ah. So much emotion! Tonight is our night! Sting is the world heavyweight champion! What a night! What a memorable starcade. All capped off by the Sting world title victory! You see the Steiners, you see every man! There's no feeling in all of sports like he's going through right now! The weight was worth it. The long weight was worth it. The crowning jewel, Sting, World's Heavyweight Champion. i tell you what, it's breathtaking in here, guys. They are standing here. And I know around the world where WCW has risen from the ashes, where we are seeing WCW athletes, each and every one, bitter enemies. Alongside each other, hugging Sting. Unity. WCW has come back and has now taken Nitro back, has garnered the U.S. title, and has brought the world title back home. Sting is the world champion.
2: Now we get to 1998. And, you know, as I say on all the shows that I do, Unless I'm reporting news or giving you a fact as far as history goes, I'm giving you opinions. And I'm going to express an opinion covering Starcade 98 because a lot of people in the business, Hall of Famers, fans, journalists, podcasters, across the board for 20-plus years have said one of the biggest mistakes that WCW ever did was end Goldberg's undefeated streak. I tell you, I look back on it and doing some research, I actually disagree. Was it one of the mistakes that WCW did at that time? Absolutely. Could they have overcome it? Definitely. And I will prove to you, in my opinion, why in a few moments. But first, WCW Starcade from the MCI Center in Washington, D.C., Kidman over Hoovey and Rey Mysterio to retain the Cruiserweight Championship. Kidman then takes on Eddie Guerrero. And I remember that match. That match was great. And uh, he would defeat Eddie also to retain the Cruiserweight title. Norman Smiley over Prince Ayukea. Perry Saturn over Ernest Catmiller. Brian Adams and Scott Norton over Fit Finlay and Jerry Flynn. Conan over Chris Jericho to retain the TV title. Eric Bischoff over Ric Flair. Diamond Dallas Page over the Giant. and the main event, Kevin Nash over Goldberg in a no-disqualification match to win the WCW World Heavyweight title and ending Goldberg's undefeated streak at 173-0. Now, we're going to play highlights from that match in a few moments. But... I want to just share with everybody some research I did about the ratings and where I think WCW made an even bigger error in judgment. You know, a lot of people look back and, you know, I think some may also forget that after Kevin Nash defeated Goldberg this night for the heavyweight title and ended Goldberg's streak, what happened next with Kevin Nash? The finger poke of doom where he laid down for Hogan And the storyline was to get the belt back to Hogan. So now the finger poke of doom sucked. That was terrible. The only thing that I hated about the ending of Goldberg versus Kevin Nash was what transpired with Scott Hall. I don't want to give it away for those that may have never heard it or may not remember. But I'll tell you this. I look back at the ratings for WCW before and after Goldberg's streak ended. And I got news for you. When Goldberg's streak ended, the ratings went up. And they kept going up. And they kept going up. And there was one particular turning point in WCW in 1999 that I, that I see a trend of where it really started going downward. And to me, this moment that I bring up is much worse then Goldberg's undefeated streak. And Goldberg's undefeated streak had to have ended sooner or later. All right. Maybe it should have ended with a different opponent. Fine. But now let's just go back in order here. We're talking Starcade 1998, December 1998. Before Starcade and before Goldberg lost his undefeated streak in the title, these were the ratings from November 30th until December. 28th of 98, the ratings were 4 2, 4 2, 4 2, 3 7, 4 6. Okay, those are the ratings up until Goldberg being champion. Now, Goldberg loses the title to Kevin Nash. Yes, controversial fashion, but here's the ratings from January 4th of 99 until February 22nd of 99. Ready for this? 4 9. 50445047573948 Much more impressive than before Goldberg losing his streak, right? So, to me, where's the turning point where the rating started to go downward in a spiral and never recovered? Super Bowl 9. You go to Super Bowl 9 that took place February of 1999, and not only did they unmask Rey Mysterio, You had the Outsiders over Conan and Rey Mysterio. But what was the main event that night? Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair in 1999. There's nothing wrong with still having a Hogan-Flair match once in a while, but after all of those years, you go back to Hogan-Flair, you have Goldberg-Bigelow, Scott Hall-Piper, which really was not great at all. And then you have, it's just the overall booking, Was just not good. And people were fed up having Hogan, Flair, you know, Hall, Nash, Steiner just being a focal point of everything. So after Super Brawl, what were the ratings? 4 3, 4 4, 4 3, 3 9, 3 5, 4 3, 4 1, 3 6, 3 5. So you tell me which one hurt ratings? Goldberg losing his undefeated streak and losing the title? Did not hurt ratings. For several months, the ratings went up. But still, if you want to go back and say it was a mistake to have it go down the way it did, absolutely, because it led to the finger poke of doom. But first, before we move on, here are highlights from that match. Goldberg versus Nash for the heavyweight title. And take notice, a lot of fans were behind Kevin Nash that night. Something that people should always remember.
5: That last long walk to face his Nemesis.
3: 170. Yeah. 60 four tall. one half high. The man with the following like no other in the world today. The man whose power sphere to inverted lift and body's slam to play has defeated. 174 consecutive opponents without a loss. The man who will put that perfect record on the line tonight
1: in this no disqualification championship match, the man is the reigning and defending, undisputed, undefeated WCWNW.
5: much less Kevin Nash, but I'm not so sure if Nash can be intimidated. He's been in big events before, and here he stands to try to do something no one has done in pro wrestling. And that's a big mountain to climb. We talked about the anticipation level for this matchup being so high. We don't have to anticipate anymore. It's here. Here we go. The ever-confident look of kevin nash has been washed away it's a look like i've never seen on this man this is amazing that the tension is still here well you can feel the electricity can't you yeah, yeah. they haven't even touched and you can you're right it's just there come alive. Wolfpack has its supporters as well. Mutual respect there. I right, there's no question it's there. Here they go. They finally, these two big men finally lock up. Nash finds his back up against the turnbuckle, goal, and FPJ oh, like immediately tries to keep time. this match on the up and up. It didn't take long for Timbers to flare now, did it? Just like two big bulls, they locked up to open this match. And did you notice that Goldberg put his hand in the face of Kevin Nash? They're trying maybe to get a little bit under the skin of Big Sexy. Everything's at stake here tonight, everything. Goldberg's streak, Goldberg's title, Nash's reputation.
1: All
4: on the line here.
5: Kevin Nash, side headlock. Obviously with a height advantage, a little bit of leverage advantage here as well. Goldberg's gonna do what he's done every time around the bend. Just power his way out of it. Nash holding on pretty good. Goldberg not trying to expend too much energy, picks him up. Unbelievable. Picked him up like the man with a cruiserweight and dropped him down. He just backdropped suplex Kevin Nash, who is near seven feet tall and well over 300 pounds. Picked him up with ease. Well, Goldberg, once again, Brain just standing yep. in the ring waiting. Just watching Ooh. his prey. Nash looked look like he's in a real hurry to get in there either. But that's all psyche. Yeah, of course it is. He knows what he's up against, and he realized that Goldberg never gets too rattled. Never gets too bent out of shape. Oh, yeah, he's intense. The most intense individual you'll ever find. And the toughest wrestler ever. But as the fans, Nash fans, Goldberg fans do their battle of the wits in the stands these four big men go at it in the ring this has all the presence all the aura of a super bowl you know you really feel this is championship you know nba football baseball anything this is you're right there this is What Starcade is all about. World's heavyweight title on the line. And the man streak of 170. It's 173. Oh. It knows what it is. Can he make it 174 now? Back in the corner again. Nash seeing that he is oh. little evidence of cockiness from Nash. Services right there. And Nash puts Goldberg in a position he's never been in, in pro wrestling. And Goldberg just powers his way out of it. That's never happened. That's never happened to Kevin Nash. Of course, he's never faced Goldberg and he's covering up here as Goldberg. Just a blatant chokehold, throttling him, look at this Kevin Nash. Goes for a cross arm breaker submission hold attempt. What a great fight, what a great fight. Ankle lock applied now by Goldberg. Both men using submission moves. And you know what we got? We've got a stalemate is what we've got. And I think Goldberg realizes it now he's got to get Kevin Nash exactly in the middle of that ring because it's seven feet tall. He can just about make it to the rope. There's a realization that went with Kevin Nash, too, that his traditional moves that he uses foot to the throat, keeping the man far, far away may not work tonight. It may have to be a different bit of strategy that Kevin Nash employs. Maybe a strategy he's never used before because he gets knocked off his feet by the World Champ. Goldberg rocked him with the right hand. Did you see how quick Nash went down on his seat? Great move. A great defensive move, it didn't take anything. He used Goldberg's own momentum as Goldberg was lunging forward. He just pulled him over top and Goldberg hit the turnbuckle. Although a turnbuckle has never stopped Goldberg before, Goldberg hit very, very hard on that one. Maybe the experience edge that Kevin Nash brings to this matchup coming to the front. Very well said, you're exactly right. There it is right there. Oh, the feeling like none other in this arena as Goldberg ducks up. And he spears. him. He speared him. He's gonna pick him up now. He speared Kevin Nash down. Can he do
0: it? Ooh. Oh, yeah, he can do it. He's going for it right now.
5: Nash isn't moving. The, the spear wiped him out. Goldberg's a move away from continuing the streak.
0: History is being made here.
5: Oh, Kevin Nash! With a low blow, it appears, although we couldn't see from that angle from our vantage point, but Goldberg hit very, very hard. I think it's very apparent what happened. Last-ditch effort on the part of Kevin Nash, following the spear, Goldberg motioned to the crowd that he was gonna take the challenger up into the air with a jackhammer. Kevin Nash answers with a low blow. It's not a bad move. It's no disqualification. And look at that, Tony. He's favoring his ribs on his left side there. Yes, he is. Goldberg could have broke some ribs with that spear. He may have done it. Not a bad move, but you think that you're going up in the jackhammer. You do whatever it takes to stay in the match, and that's what Nash just did. In. Goldberg up. Hooked and... Goldberg with a cover like that. He still has a lot of fight left. So does Nash. This is not a world title battle, it's a struggle. It is sits firmly on the top of Pro Wrestling. The man who walks away here will be the man in control of this board. Make no mistake about that. And that one was on target. Here's another cover. One, two, and Goldberg just Rose up on his right side that time to get away. Now, the adrenaline is rushing through both of these men right now. Amazing. Goldberg, are, are you surprised, Two, Mike, that Goldberg three. went for his spear and then jackhammered that quickly? I am surprised this early in the match that he was able to connect with it, but Kevin Nash has certainly been able to turn the tide ever since that attempt at a jackhammer. Another cover. And a good press there, Goldberg's kicked out. I think this is the most trouble we've ever seen Goldberg in, in 173 fights. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I think we knew what would happen, too. Yeah, but Goldberg's the man. You can beat on him all day. I'll tell you, when I saw him first come on the scene here, I was so impressed. I never saw a man's that much, much physical power, that much ability that this man had. He was just awesome. It's gonna be a defining moment in his career, as well as one in the career of Kevin Nash, and one in the history of Starcade. Up against the ropes, again, he kicked away. Goldberg, I don't know where he gets it from, with the exception of he is... He's a champion of the world. He's a champion of the world, but he is inhuman at times. He didn't go down. I guarantee you, Nash. He did that time. The average man, they're dying. One, two. But Goldberg is not an average man, by any
4: means. Unbelievable.
5: Nice counter, spinning neck breaker by Goldberg. Notice the quickness? He hooks. Nice, to take him up again. Lifted off of those powerful legs as well. One, two, and no! Did get him? No. Two fingers shot up by Mickey J. Wow, many fans thought it was over. Goldberg immediately to his feet. Goldberg Whoa. standing sidekick took Nash off of his feet. Goldberg has come back now. They both have their hands full. Look at that power, of that man. Up onto the shoulder. A guy the size of Kevin Morris nice up on the shoulder. One, two. Nash got the right shoulder up. It was not a good press that time by Goldberg, although it was a good move to get him down. But Nash Nash realizes what's at stake right now. Goldberg went for a quick cover, didn't have proper weight distribution, only gets two. Yeah, didn't have it over the shoulder. Into the ropes, Goldberg with another phenomenal move. Kevin Nash goes down. What is this? What is he doing here? This Wolfpack wannabe. Guess he's trying to prove that he deserves a right to wear those coats. He only he deserves is a spear from Goldberg. Bam Bam Zane. Bam Bam Bigelow. Remember, this is no disqualification. Absolutely it is. And Bigelow, once again uninvited. Whoa. Not supposed to be here. Sending him to jail. Meanwhile, Nash gets a break. You could hear it clicking. It was like a like a cattle prodder, a stun gun, driven. That kept him down! And Nash never saw Sky Hall here. No, he did not. We have a new heavyweight champion of the world. Kevin Nash has won it. What is Nitro gonna be like tomorrow? I don't know, but it's quite a night for the NWO Red and Black. Let the Wolfpack celebration begin. I imagine that Conan and uh, Luger in the back icing down the bubbly. Look at this. Because they're not out here. Look at it, it. It's a, uh, a look of shock on Nash's face. And Goldberg cannot even stand, although he tries his best to get out of the ring. Look at, oh, no, he, Oh, still feeling the after-effects. He needs some medical attention to hurry. Here it is again. Now you see Goldberg, he's running. Oh, oh wow. sticks that taser right in there around the heart area, around
11: the lungs, and does it again.
5: we we'll have to hand it on for four or five seconds. He had a security shirt on, and there is the culprit. That can stop a charging bull,
4: they say. And it did. And then Nash took opportunities of the situation. I don't think he knows what happened. That Hall was even up there. Big, big power bomb.
5: And after being a electrocuted whatever voltage
1: is in that sticks there's your winner and new heavyweight champion of the world the man that stopped the streak of goldberg big sexy the heavyweight
5: champion of the world kevin nash unbelievable ending to quite a night we have witnessed professional wrestling history kevin nash has won Kevin Nash will always go down as the first man to stop the streak of Goldberg. For all of us here at Starrcade, ladies and gentlemen, have a good night, everybody.
2: Now, before we move to 1999, I want to just point one thing out. Before anybody says, hey, you didn't bring up Mankind defeating The Rock when he won his first WWF title. Remember when Tony Schiavone telling people in advance that Mankind, Mick Foley's going to win their title. Ah, That'll put asses in the seats. Well, that was taped this week in 1998. However, it did not air on television until January 4th of 1999. And believe it or not, that is the date that WCW acknowledges as Mankind's heavyweight title win. You look in the record books, they have Mankind winning the heavyweight title January 4th, 1999. So that match win is celebrated the first week of of this week in wrestling history, not the last. Just wanted to clarify that so everyone is made aware of it. So now we move to 1999, and just think, one year earlier in 98, you have Triple H and DX helping mankind win the WWF championship. One year later, the McMahon-Helmsley era is in full force, wreaking havoc on the WWF. And it was this week in 1999, Triple H and Stephanie, who were not happy with Mula and Mae Young, gave them a choice either they both team up at 76 years old and take on a tag team of Stephanie and Triple H's choosing or they would be fired they decided to take the match and this is what happened
5: When she told the truth. She said that Moolah and Mae Young were an embarrassment to the WWF. Well, Mul and May Young don't want to be in this matchup, but they were threatened with being fired by the McMahon-Helmsley era, so they had no choice. They have to go into this action. They've been fired done. before. They got fired once when they were working on the pyramids. <laughs> oh, look. And Wait a oh man! Kenry's in love with Mae Young. That's been well-documented. But the rumors I've heard over the past couple of days back in the locker room is that Harvey Whippleman has fallen head over heels in love with Moolah. Look at this. This, Is this my imagination or does Mae have a truck driver's hand? So it's Mae Young and Mula going against Hardcore and Crash, the Hollies, here on SmackDown. Uh Uh-oh, what? They can make it up. Sometimes I sort of see what Mark Henry sees in May. Maybe it's that nice Did little you? tattoo on her left forearm. You stop, they're in love. And look at the reaction to May Young. Yeah, yeah. You we know, talk about Mark Henry being a new man ever since he has been in love. oh with he, May oh, Mae Young has got more of a spring in her step these days, ever since they're a new love with Mark Henry. What about the double date they went out on? With Mark Henry and Harvey Whippleman. The last time Moolah and May went on a double date, it was with Fred Flintstone and Barney Rebel. Ow! (laughs) Hardcore shoving Moolah down, and Crash is getting a big old kick out of this. Tonight, X-Pac, Big Show, non-title matchup on SmackDown. Well, now, let's see if Crash can make up for what happened to him Monday against China. Oh, Oh, look at this! Take takedown of Crash Holly. How embarrassing. And there was the tag <laughs> to Mae Young. That was a tag? And yeah, I guess so. What is this? Double team, Crash off the ropes. Oh! Hey. Manhandling oh. May Young. Oh. Oh. Did you see Mark Henry grimace when May was tossed to the center of the ring? Mark Henry and Harvey Whipperman trying to cheer Mae and Moolan on from ringside. I think the next time they take Moolan and May somewhere, it might be the cemetery. Oh toss, by Crash. Catching the midsection. Hip toss. Oh, that's us break a hip toss. Oh, no! he's not going to slam her! Oh. He did. And the Hollies. Oh, Crash going to climb the ropes. Please be careful. Don't slam her again. I think she had proved. And run. look at oh. oh. Ola!
1: Ola shaking the top rope.
5: Hardcore Holly, almost no. taking May Young's head, hey, head off. They have Crash. is hey, going to take you it. You heard him angry for oh. this match. Look out! Power oh. slam. Hook of oh. the leg by Crash. Oh. And I'm sure the—oh, Wait a minute. Look out, Moolah! Oh no. Hey, look at that! Oh. Sexual chocolate in there. Taking offense to the way that Crash manhandled May Young, and here's the double hey, come team on. by the Holly. Oh.
0: Hey. Oh. oh, look out.
5: May, Mark Henry, and Harvey; those two were a building. They'd be condemned.
2: You have to give both of them credit. Seventy-six years old, taking bumps like that. I know thirty-six-year-olds that wouldn't even do that. And much to the dismay of the social justice warriors of today, I guarantee you that the McMahon family misses and loves and just. Adores fabulous Moolah They cannot say it publicly anymore They have to conform to today's World But they miss her And miss her greatly I can't say anything bad about Moolah I know some questionable stuff was done Back in the day But you know it was what it was Anyway we go to uh, The end of 1999 Some controversy And if you look at the WWE record books They do not acknowledge this title victory They show the title is vacant it was this week in 1999 that we had Chris Jericho and China wrestling each other on SmackDown for the Intercontinental Championship. They were both laid out on the mat, they both put an arm on each other and they both got pinned. You had one referee holding the hand of Chris Jericho, the other referee holding the hand of China. And what ended up happening was the following week Stephanie ruled that both Chris Jericho and China were co- Intercontinental champions. And they would remain that way until the Royal Rumble when Chris Jericho became the undisputed intercontinental champion. That night he took on Hardcore Holly and China in a triple threat match for the belt and won it clean. So for some reason, WWF has this insistence that from this week in 99 to the Royal Rumble, that title is shown as vacant. I don't understand why. I know a lot of people disagree with uh, their decision. I don't know why. What's the big deal of having them both listed as co-IC champions? I don't know. I know some of you immediately going to think, you know, think back to that time, you know, China was... was Hurt because of Stephanie And I know these days now You know the McMahons will downplay it That China was was this And you know that everything was fine And she understood I'm not so sure I'm not so sure that You know it's sad because once people die You get all these people out of the woodwork Oh China told me this And China was fine with this And China said that And they do that all the time They put words in people's mouths But you don't hear it while the person is alive uh, I All I know is that China did a lot of interviews Where she was extremely hurt As far as what happened with her and Triple H um, But at the same time She tried to be professional about it I just don't understand why WWE will not acknowledge This three week Title reign I don't get it Speaking of titles We go to 2000 We have Monday Night Raw Chattanooga, Tennessee Raven Hardcore title WWE I don't know if you're aware of it But Raven holds the record He held the WWF Hardcore Championship 27 times Would you like to hear how he won it the first time? That happened this week In 2000
5: And this is shaping up It's a a triple threat match For the World Wrestling Federation Hardcore Championship Introducing from the Weighing 232 pounds, Raven! I hope your night ends up a little better than it started off. You had a a pretty tough interview this morning with uh, China, didn't you? I sure did, King. It was not the way I wanted to start my my Christmas morning, I'll tell you. That was one of the toughest interviews I've ever done in my entire career. We'll we'll have that interview. Not gonna make a lot of folks happy, I'll tell you, a little bit later here tonight. And this is a hardcore title matchup anything goes falls count anywhere it looks like you just dumped my christmas present from you into the ring <laughs> well the third year in a row i've got an autographed picture of the king for christmas maybe some of the big collector's items what? say that like you didn't like it
4: it was nice from manville pennsylvania Let's-
5: The 24/7 rule has kind of been uh, put on the shelf with Blackman being the hardcore tent because nobody—and I mean nobody—wants to to roll up a holly. Nobody wants to handle Blackman in a on a creek bank or a parking lot or wherever. You got a couple of guys right now in Raven and Hardcore Holly that want a little piece of Blackman. Hey, these are three guys in this matchup that are as tough as as any three in the business. I promise. Steve Blockman is the king of the hardcore division here in the WWF. Oh, oh man, team. did you hear that crack? That king just got crowned, didn't he? He certainly oh. did. Oh, and oh, it, oh man. And so did Raven and Raven hit right Blackmans. Well, well, you saw. Referee, uh, Go ahead, say it. Gotta get him south of the border there. <laughs> oh south, man. South of the old belt line, good grief. Good at Hardcore Holly, opening up on Raven. Oh, and Blackman on the baseball slide. Blackman is the hardcore champion. And as his triple threat matches Oh, the champion does not have to be involved in the decision to lose the title under triple threat rules. Oh! <laughs> Where did that come from? That came from uh, out of use field someplace. If I was Raven, I would have used that five stance a little more. i dream of a white Christmas there for a minute. Raven. Hardcore Holly, out of the crowd here. He's sitting so crowd here. What about that hardcore match that Raven had with The Undertaker? You ever seen anything like that? I know, I'll tell you what. Raven proved to me how tough he was hanging as long as he did with The Undertaker. Speaking of The Undertaker, we saw Rock's reaction when he found out that he's gonna have to face The Undertaker. Like, what do you think The Undertaker's reaction is gonna be? I don't know. He doesn't even know yet. When's the last time Rock had a look oh. about anything? Oh. These guys are going to have some headaches Lamar here. I don't know how they enjoy celebrating their, uh, their holiday, but <laughs> well, this looks like, doesn't this look like a uh, well, Christmas around the old uh, Ross household? Well, it has resembled that from time to time. As long as we take it easy on the darn oh, eggnog. Oh. And back car holiday. Muskogee. Oh, Oh man. Oh, right Broomstick stick or whatever it was. He said these guys are gonna have headaches. I think they're gonna have concussions. What the heck, who is that? Raven has nailed somebody. What? Stay out of the way of these things. The they got a fair game in a yeah. hardcore match. Look at that. Standing around, these men spill out of the ring. It can go anywhere, in Longest anywhere. We got a clear traffic here in a hardcore match. Yeah. Blackman winning his title essentially yeah. against two men. But again, anyone can pin the other and become hardcore champion with the way these rules are structured. So watch it. It's chilly outside, I can promise you. Oh, don't tell me they're going outdoors here in Chattanooga. It's about nine degrees, I think. We're on the UTC campus here in Chattanooga. Straight right hand by uh, Steve. Oh, Watson. my God. Wow, Raymond right down the steps. Well, they ain't made a chocolate. Ain't
3: no whistle to out there. Is that right? And it is
5: chilly here in in Chattanooga here on Christmas night, I'll tell you. Chili, what do you mean chili? It's cold, right? Cold. It is cold. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute. By the first time ever I ever saw that. Blackman is as tough as... Ho- he is awesome, and Blackman headed back... She might be headed back maybe our way. Wait a minute.
0: Raven.
5: The two by four. now Wait a minute. Raven under the cover. Three. Wow. 24-7. And it's, it's yes. now Raven. Where's my title? Are you kidding me? My-
2: 2004, man, did Ring of Honor's commentary suck sometimes back then. And I don't blame it on Jimmy Bauer, not even CM Punk on this night. I think it was the directive of management. You know, when you had title wins, title changes and some particular moments, I think they instructed the commentators to just keep silent and just let the emotion of the crowd, let that sink into everyone. And yeah, it's a nice visual, but, man, you go back and you listen to commentary from Jim Ross to Gordon Soly to everyone else. And I'm not comparing Jimmy Bauer to them, but, you know, they tell the story as well. You know, you don't necessarily have to watch wrestling to envision it. The commentary is so critical. And, you know, to have main events sometimes finish and there's no commentary whatsoever. Man, does that suck. And we'll give you an example in a moment. First Ring of Honor Final Battle, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania this week of two thousand and four. Jimmy Jacobs over Trent Acid. Deranged and Lacey over Angel Dust and Becky Bayless. Rockin' Rebel over Devin Moore. Homicide over Jimmy Rave to retain the Pure Championship. In a fight without honor match, Danny Moff and BJ Whitner over the Carnage Crew. Jay Lethal over the mask uh, the weapon of mask destruction number two with Prince Nana. CM Punk and Steve Carino with Tracy Brooks in their corner over Generation Next, which is Alex Shelley and Roderick Strong. Brian Danielson over Loki. And in the main event, Austin Aries with Roderick Strong defeats Samoa Joe to win the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship. This win ended Samoa Joe's record reign at 645 days. I wanted to highlight this match here but unfortunately as you will hear the last 90 seconds of this match, yes there is some commentary but where you needed it the most, everything goes silent. Aries now
5: big forearms to Joe and look at Joe, he is tired. More and more people are starting to stand, Bauer. Aries looks like he's going for it again. No, Joe catches him. Oh, Heavy artillery on Aries. I think he's going for the Muscle Buster Puck.
3: I think he could blow on Austin
1: Aries right now and it'd be over.
5: Look at Joe though. Look at that look on his face. Roderick Strong screaming words
1: of encouragement.
5: Here it is. Here it comes. It's going to be all over. The Muscle Buster. Joe is going to the as champion.
2: Again, I understand you want to capture the emotion of the fans. They're about to see something magical and it's a great visual, but you need to, you know, you need to keep talking. You need to still fucking set up what is about to happen. And that's not the first time. We talked last week about Kevin Steen versus El Generico. And at the very end of that match as well, when Generico won and Steen was forced to leave Ring of Honor, the fucking commentators were silent again. It happened a lot back then. Doesn't happen as much now, but that's something that always irked me at that time. You know, just f- stop fucking trying to rewrite shit. You know, co- great commentary, great commentary. Starts at the beginning of the match, and it ends at the end of the match. Not a minute before, not 40 seconds before, because you... Stop. You know, anyway. 2008, sadly, the downward spiral for Joni Lara continued. This week in 08, she was celebrating her birthday, drank, I can't even say, too much. She drank so much, she was found passed out in, I think, a bathroom with cuts all over her arms... They rushed her to a hospital and she was so drunk, her blood alcohol content, her level was so high, they couldn't even do a psychiatric evaluation of her. And then when she started to sober up, TMZ interviewed her and she at the hospital, she's like, you know what, all I want right now is a hamburger and fries. So, you know, thank God she ended up being okay at that time, but she really wasn't. And unfortunately, we lost her. And, you know, I will keep my opinions off of this show. But, you know, there was an enabler out there. And I can't believe that this person hasn't been brought to some form of justice legally, legally said that she was taken from us this soon. 2008, Ring of Honor has their final battle in New York City. Match results, Kenny Omega over Claudio Castagnoli. Jerry Lynn over Chris Hero, Necro Butcher, and Rhett Titus in a four-corner survival match. For the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, El Generico and Kevin Steen retained the belts, defeating the Age of the Fall, Delirious, and Jimmy Jacobs. You had Brent Albright, Eric Stevens, and Roderick Strong over Sweet and Sour, which was Davy Richards, Eddie Edwards, and Go Shiozaki in a street fight. The Briscoes over Kensuki Office, which was Katsuhiko Nakajima and Kensuki Sasaki. Austin Aries over Tyler Black for the number one contendership for the Ring of Honor Heavyweight title. Nigel McGuinness retains the world title, defeating Naomichi Marufuchi. In the main event, in a fight without honor match, Brian Danielson defeats Takeshi Morishima in a fight without honor match. I know that's a match a lot of you remember. I still remember it. Surprised that it's been that many years already. 2009, WWE signs Tamina and the current Sinkara. Remember, he wasn't the original Sinkara. And then they had the storyline with the evil Sinkara. And then he was Hunico. And then he's Sinkara. Well, 2009, this week, they signed him and they also signed Tamina. Almost done. Also in 2009, Vince McMahon on Raw officially announces that Bret Hart would return to guest host Raw on January 4th, 2010. Yes, that is the night that Impact versus Raw went head to head. It was a big deal. And even though Bret Hart was put in the WWE Hall of Fame already, this would be the first appearance by Bret Hart on Raw in about 10 years. So it was a pretty big deal at the time. They were also doing a storyline where, you know, Vince didn't want to bring in Bret Shawn Michaels guaranteed that it would be good to bring in Brett. So Vince thought that Shawn Michaels would be doing something to Brett, but instead he apologized to Brett they hugged it out. And they you know they buried the hatchet. Then you had Shawn Michaels setting up the storyline of facing the Undertaker at WrestleMania. So there was a lot of good stuff going down around this time on WWE television. 2010, at the time, Tommy Dreamer. Exiting from WWE's ECW. He had just signed, I believe, a multi-year deal. And then, next thing you know, he was gone. Wrapping up 2010, who could ever forget? Nick Gage, formerly of Combat Zone Wrestling. Seen on camera in a PNC bank in New Jersey. Robs the bank. $3,000. Him and his girlfriend go to Atlantic City to gamble it away. And he ends up going to jail for it. Un-fucking-believable I remember covering this on the DTKC show You know, it was reported that somebody Had robbed a bank in New Jersey And then they put pictures of the person Who was, you know, he didn't even try to cover his face up And you had wrestling fans All over social media going Wait a minute, that's Nick Gage That's Nick Gage And before you knew it, everybody knew it was Nick Gage. They had a warrant out for Nicholas Wilson. That's his real name. He would turn himself in, and he would plead guilty to second-degree robbery, sentenced to five years in prison, ordered to pay restitution back to the bank and the employee. Um, He claimed at the time that he was homeless, addicted to Oxycontin, painkillers, but yet they went to Atlantic City and gambled it away. If if I'm addicted to painkillers, I buy painkillers with it. Anyway, you see him now, you know, thank God he's staying out of trouble. But, um, you know, to me, he just doesn't look good. I wish him the best. I really do. At the time, we called him nothing but a fuck-up. He actually went back to jail because he violated his parole. But I think he's got scared straight, and uh, hopefully he's doing good. 2011, Brock Lesnar, one day after losing to Alistair Overeem at uh, UFC 141, he announced his retirement from MMA, and remember, this was Lesnar's first fight after suffering diverticulitis, so he would leave MMA, return to the WWE, and then he would return to MMA one time in 2016, and then, you know, we had this situation with the anti-doping agency, and, you know, who knows what, future Brock Lesnar has in MMA. Remember, he's not, you know, as young as you think anymore. So 2013, we had something interesting go down on Monday Night Raw. Daniel Bryan feuding with Bray Wyatt and they had a match on Raw where Daniel Bryan would have to face Luke Harper and Eric Rowan in singles matches. If Daniel Bryan beat Luke Harper, he would then go on to face Eric Rowan. If he defeated Eric Rowan, then he would have Bray Wyatt all for himself on Monday Night Raw. Now, we're not going to play the Daniel Bryan Luke Harper match because honestly, it just would take way too long. But we will pick it up in progress of Daniel Bryan versus Eric Rowan. You know, look, storylines change. People used to dislike each other, now like each other. Happens all the time, it's happened in the history of wrestling. But for some reason, it still just doesn't sound right to hear Michael Cole rooting for Daniel Bryan as much as he did back then. But the reason why we're sharing this is because there was a little twist at the end of this match between uh, Eric Rowan and Daniel Bryan and ultimately something with uh, Bray Wyatt as well.
5: Story here back on Monday Night Raw. More of the same. Eric Rowan with those fists into the temples of Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, folks, moments ago knocked off Luke Harper. If he can somehow beat Eric Rowan now in this matchup, he'll finally get Bray Wyatt live tonight on Raw. Yeah, be careful what you wish for him. You get the Rowan, you really won't. Bray Wyatt? Well, Daniel Bryan sure seems like he does. Ah. Eric Rowan pancaking Bryan. Wyatt is loving it. And I wa- cover by Rowan to end Brian's Street tonight to kick Look, out. I don't want to. I don't want to correct you, Michael, but you said he knocked off Luke Harper. I think it may be more correct to say he survived
1: Luke exactly. Harper. Exactly. And I don't point. know if he's going to be able to survive Rowan here. Yeah. Harper yeah, And does he really still want Bray Wyatt if he somehow finds a way to get past Eric Rowan here?
5: Yeah. Uh, I, 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 be be careful what it. you wish for, Daniel. I don't think. I don't think he's even thought of. Bring Wyatt boy, I don't boy. think this ordeal has begun. Yeah, he's exactly. just staying live out there. That's all he's doing. But John, how's he doing it? How is Daniel Bryan still standing? It's pure standing?
1: instinct. It's pure guts. Look nobody's go. ever doubted the toughness of Daniel Bryan. guts of, of Daniel Bryan. For
5: those of you who don't have the WWE app, you don't know what you missed during the commercial break. I mean, Eric Rowan was tossing Daniel Bryan all around out here at ringside, oh. who continued punishing him in the ring, much like he's Get doing down. now. Run has just been mauled by these two monsters. This is not good. This is not good. Eric Rowan with Daniel Bryan in tow from the second rope now. Daniel Bryan's and up high. Oh, he slammed. Bryan's going to be broken and heavy. He may hurt his knee. Bryan may have hurt his knee. He clutched the knee when he came down. And let me tell you something. Every inch of Daniel Bryan's body's got to be hurting right now. Not just his knee. He's hurt. Rowan continues to look back at the leader, Wyatt.
0: Daniel Bryan rolling up Eric Rowan, hit his shoulders down!
1: Hey, no. He did it! He did it! No winner of this match,
5: Daniel Bryan! That means Daniel Bryan will get Bray Wyatt if Eric Rowan allows that to happen. Hey, come on. And out, Luke Harper. And wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa! Luke Harper? Forcing we'll Rowan off Daniel Bryan. And the like dog calling off the dog. Here we go. And it's almost as if Bray Wyatt wants Bryan to himself now. Well, he wants what's left of Daniel Bryan. Exactly. I think he feels pretty confident right now. We talked about Daniel Bryan wanting Bray Wyatt for a long time. Now he has that opportunity, but Bray Wyatt wants to punish Bryan as well.
0: Is this the way you want?
3: Just yeah,
5: got him. ready. Begging, right. oh, Begging. Let's go. <laughs> what
0: are you doing? He's like, Let's go, ring the ball.
4: Let's turn his back. Daniel
5: your Oh, wait a Whoa. minute. Wait a minute. Ripping, and tearing, and beating. Oh, Daniel Bryan to a pulp. Watch this wall. Floors. Come on, guys, this is, this is hard to watch.
1: Can I walk with the rebirth, leave this world
9: behind? (laughs) I'm afraid, Brian, this is where our story ends.
1: better it could have been perfect and uh, this is your fault I'm gonna punish you I want you to open your eyes open your eyes and look at your dismay open your eyes Brian (laughs)
9: this is the end (laughs)
1: You're, you're right
9: say it again say that again You're right!
1: You were always right, no matter how many matches I won, no matter how loud these people
10: cheered for me
1: <sighs> you were always right the machine the machine would never let me win no matter how loud you people chanted You chanted yes in every building I've ever been to. And they don't care. I'm yours. Let me join the family.
2: So Daniel Bryan joins the Wyatt family. You know, at the time, a lot of us felt that this would ultimately be a swerve. He would turn on Bray Wyatt, get his revenge. Just a lot of people didn't like it. Just didn't seem to make sense. You know, but look, they did that afterward, Randy Orton. And to me, that was even worse. But uh, looking back on it, you know, I kind of like the storyline with Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan. I kind of wish it would have lasted a lot longer, but it didn't. 2015, uh, something that I have talked about on the DTKC show, I don't know why so many podcasts, so many websites, and so many fans just ignore this fact. How many times have you read, even to this day, oh, WWE does not provide medical insurance to their wrestlers, they don't provide insurance, don't provide insurance. Well, it was this week in 2015 that WWE had a big meeting with their roster and told them, that they are not only required to maintain their own health insurance, but starting February of 2016, they would have to show proof that they are maintaining valid coverage. And they would randomly ask their employees for certificates of insurance, evidence of insurance. It's called, I'm an insurance brother. I've been doing insurance for over 20 years. I've done health insurance as well. I know exactly the procedure. And, you know, the, the argument these days, oh, WWE should be the one providing the insurance. Well, you know what? And I've brought up this example before. You know, WWE pays their wrestlers comfortably. They pay them enough where the wrestlers are satisfied. Maybe some are not. But, you know, they don't necessarily have to, you know, provide the insurance. If WWE gives a wrestler three, four, five thousand $5,000 more a year in their salary so they could maintain their own health insurance, why not? Regular employers do it all the time. I know many employers that they have under a certain number of employees, so they're not required to carry health insurance, and what they do instead is they'll tell their employees, say, look, here's an extra $500 a month go and buy your own health insurance, all right? You always hear it discussed in in the p- political world about savings accounts, if you look that up. And, you know, if anybody out there is going to say to me, well, why doesn't WWE just provide it? Because it's not that easy. You know, when you have um, an employer and you have hundreds of people on, on your payroll and you have, let's say, 100 wrestlers, you know, you hire people, you get rid of people, this person gets married, this person has kids, You know, you have to keep making changes to policies. And yeah, WWE might even get a discount for having a group plan. But when you're an independent contractor as well, and that's what the WWE wrestlers are considered, independent contractors. It's not that cut and dry that WWE can provide insurance for an independent contractor. You know, I understand the social justice part of this, where people feel that WWE's fucked up for not doing that, but understand what you can and can do with independent contractors. It's not that cut and dry. So WWE instead, you know, pays a wrestler, and maybe they don't even tell a wrestler, look, we're giving you $5,000 more, and you pay so you could go out and get health insurance. I don't know if they do that or they, or they don't. But if they pay a wrestler X amount of dollars and it's a nice salary, you should be able to afford... a month to get your own health insurance. It's up to you if you wanna get a $10,000 deductible or a $2,000 deductible. WWE allows you to make that choice. And that's another thing. When you have a group plan, Everybody has to have the same deductible. Everybody has to have the same type of coverage. The only difference would be this person may have a family plan. This person may only cover themselves. This person may only cover themselves and their spouse. This person may cover themselves and their child. But if WWE has a group plan and their deductible is $10,000, maybe some wrestlers want to dish a little bit more out of their own pocket and have a small deductible. Maybe some wrestlers never get sick and feel they don't need the coverage, so they'll get an extremely high high deductible. If they were all in the WWE's plane, they wouldn't be able to do that. So I, I understand those who don't research it, but for the people out there that know this and choose to ignore it because it's socially the right thing to do, to balk and say WWE should do this and do that, you do come off as extremely ignorant. Believe me, you do. Notable birthdays this week, those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us, Happy birthday, my friend, Timmy Arson. What a good guy. taken from us way too soon. Happy birthday to Bronco Lubick, Mark Starr, Pete Managoff, Joni Lara, Jerry Tootie, Graham Marcus, Joe Dussek, Carl Von Brauner, Dave Morgan, Luther Lindsay, Jack Vansky, Woody Farmer, Wilbur Snyder, MS1, Dick and Mike Mazurki. Happy birthday to all of you. God rest your souls. Strong Kobayashi and Dean Holt turned 78. Demolition Act 71. Tatsumi Fujinami and Bill Kazmaier, 65. Lanny Pafo, 64. Pantera Zarena, 63. Tony Zane, 60. Mark Madden, 58. Tomato Negro, 56. Mike Barton, 53. Goldberg turns 52. Pierre Carl Louette, 51. Midian, 50. Nobukazu, Harai, and Tom Howard turn 49. Diablo turns 47. Mikami, Brandon Walker, and Tony Rivera, 45. Ryan Zakota, 44. Vance Nevada, 43. Christy Miss turns 42. B-Boy and Psycho Mike turn 40. Hiroshi Nagao and Justin Roberts turn 39. Cesaro and Matt Cross, 38. The Kamikaze Kid, 37. JT Lamada 36. Eddie Edwards, El Desperado, and Kyle Maverick turn 35. Ariel, Sherry Martinez, 34. Rusev and Taryn Terrell, 33. The Laredo Kid, 32. Andy Levine and Will Maximo, 31. Inferno, 29. Ray Fenix and Zelina Vega, 28. And Rachel Ellering, happy birthday. She turns 26. Notable debuts this week in history. Angela Mosca debuted in 1960, jumping Jim Brunzel in 72. Akibono Bono in 2004, Siena in 2008, and Brian Pillman Jr. debuted this week in 2017. And finally, notable deaths this week, those who passed away this week in wrestling history. Sam Muchnick died at age 93, Luigi Massera at 88, The Amazing Zoomer at 85, Andy Tremaine at 84, Pete Mimco at 81, Chico Cortez and Kenny Maine at 77. Bill Dromo at 75, Aman Hussein at 73, Earl Freeman 67, Jay Clayton 64, Ari Romero 62, Emilio Charles Jr at 55, Tank Patton at 52, Matoshi Okuma at 51, Buddy Wayne at 50, Dr. Death Steve Williams at 49, Gorgeous George 48. Mike Davis, 45, Danny Fargo, 44, Roland Hart at 34, Ed Gantner at 31, and Yukon Braxton died at only 24 years old. Now, before I exit, I told everyone that we would feature the Macho Man near the beginning of episode 52, and we would feature him at the end of episode 52. I leave everybody with this since we are in the holiday season. Back in 1992, Macho Man Randy Savage made an appearance in Florida for kids. Let me set this backdrop a little bit. George Steinbrenner, God rest his soul, former owner of the New York Yankees, he lived in Florida. And for several years, he was doing a lot of charitable causes for underprivileged kids And in 1989, I believe it was, he started an annual holiday concert that he would have take place in Florida. And he would have the concert for underprivileged kids, giving out gifts, having celebrities and uh, athletes show up to entertain the kids. And Macho Man Randy Savage was one of the most popular attractions to appear. Macho Man did so much children back in the day. You have no idea. And it's sad because when you do research, it's very hard to find it. But I give you now from 1992, Macho Man Randy Savage at the 4th Annual George Steinbrenner Children's Holiday Concert for Underprivileged Kids. Listen to how these kids react to Macho Man when he appears. Listen to Macho Man's holiday message. And I think it's a really nice way to close out this week in wrestling history. Everyone, thank you, happy holidays, happy new year, all the best.
12: Well, about four years ago, my family and I decided what could we do for the young people in the community that were perhaps less fortunate than they might be. And uh, we went to the school system, we've done this four years, this is the first year on the Pinellas side, it's the fourth year on the Hillsborough County side. We have about 2,100 children here today and we had them over on the other side of the bay yesterday. It's just our little way of uh, doing something for these young children who are identified by the school system as being uh, at-risk children. As I said before, there should be no such thing in this country as at-risk children. If we can take care of the whole world as we seem to do, then that's fine. But we should also take care of our own here at home. And uh, it's our little way of doing it for 4,000, 5,000 kids in this area who otherwise might not have a very happy Christmas. And uh, Christmas is is the greatest time of the year. It's the time of the year when we all give thanks and are happy. And we just want to be sure that these young people feel, and everybody that's here, General Schwarzkopf, uh, Santa Claus, Peter and Aniko, uh, Randy, Macho Man Savage, all these people came today with the Florida Orchestra to make this a happy time, Christmas, for these young children otherwise might not have that. And as I said before, there's no reason in this country why there should be at-risk children. There should not be. And we gotta everybody do something to stop it.
9: All right, very good. You don't have to use these glasses right here to see what's happening. It's a combined effort between a lot of people that care about the kids. George Steinbrenner, the general back there, you got it. From the macho man right here, we're doing the thing. Merry Christmas and a happy new year from all of us to all of you. Oh yeah, but let's do it all year round this time. Dig it
12: the entire Steinbrenner family, my mother, father, brother and sisters, and of course, New York Yankees. I wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here today. We've got a great program in store. I'm sure you're gonna like it. The gentleman I'm about to bring on stage, needs a little introduction to most of you. Any fan of wrestling knows him very well. He's, he's here today with a very special message for you young ladies and gentlemen, so listen up. He is the two-time World Wrestling Federation Champion. He is the Macho Man.
9: It's not really a secret at all. No, it's not. It's a power that we all have inside of us that a lot of people don't take advantage of. And these are zillions of people all around the world, just like you and me. We can do better. Yes, we can. Because this great power that we have inside of us, we can exploit it to the fact that we make it a habit. And we use it every day. It can change your life just like that going to keep you in suspense any longer. That big secret that's not a secret is believing in yourself. Believing in yourself. And that's what it's all about. We are all goal-striving human beings walking the face of this earth. We're all in it together. Believing in yourself It's where it's at. You can achieve any goal that you are motivated to achieve that you are enthusiastic, anything that's important to you, you can achieve that goal. There's nothing that can stop you from achieving that goal if you do one thing and that's believe in yourself. Very, 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 very important. Believe in yourself and all things can be possible. You have to have a real, real good self-esteem. You have to have a real good self-image. You have to be all that you can be. You have to unbelievably have no limitations on your potential. Don't put any limitations on your potential. And, you know who your best friend should be? Yourself. Look in the mirror. Believe in yourself, because when you're your own best friend, then and only then can you be a real good friend to other people. And that's where it's at right there. If you're your own best friend, then you're going to be a leader. You're not gonna be a follower. You do not wanna be a follower. You wanna be a leader, achieving your own goals. And if people follow you because they see that you have vision and that you have goals, that's fine. You let them follow, you be a leader. But if the followers, if they put something in front of you that you know is not right, (laughs) you let them realize that you know better than that. And if you have to, call the macho man on the telephone and I'll tell you it's not right. Uh Uh-huh. You know what's right and you know what's wrong. So do the right thing. Everybody knows the right thing and everybody knows the wrong thing, so where are we kidding? Be a leader and not a follower. Say no to drugs and stay in school. Drugs is a one-way ticket to nowhere. What goes up is going to come crashing to the ground. So that's the bottom line there. Don't even touch it, just say no. If anybody asks you about it, just say, What part of the word no don't you understand? Uh Uh-huh. I thought I made myself crystal clear. Stay in school. That is a golden opportunity. Take advantage of it. A lot of people don't take advantage of what they're doing in school. It's hip, and it's cool to be in school. Yes, it is. Learn all that you can. Learn even more than your teacher. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Absolutely. If they tell you to read one book in class, go ahead and read two. Uh Uh-huh. An education and learning is something that you need. Why do you need it? It's an opportunity that you can't let pass through your fingers, otherwise later on you're going to wish you had, I'll guarantee you that. Because if you learn all you can, and if you get all this education inside you, what you'll be able to do is you'll be ready to accept life's challenges, because there's going to be plenty of challenges. You're going to have to expect the unexpected, there's no easy road, nobody said life was easy, Life is a roller coaster, it's got highs and lows, and it's got ups and downs. But, if you want to be able to handle the situation, if you want to be able to conquer things that are going to happen in life, oh yeah, you're going to get knocked down. Things are not going to always go your way, but you don't blame other people. You just look around, and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you get back in the race. and never. Never, never, ever, ever, ever quit. Quitters never win and winners never quit. And when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Oh yeah, that's just the way that it is. And if you get knocked down, you dust yourself off, you get up, you get over it, you stay strong, you stay confident, And you get right back up and you just kind of grin to yourself. You know why? Because you believe in yourself and you're going to get knocked down, but it's the person that gets back up again is the person that I respect. And I respect you because you believe in yourself. When you believe in yourself, I believe in you because I know that you're the type of person that's going to go all the way. I know you're the type of person that's going to battle and win at all costs, at all odds, against all odds. Because that's the type of person that you are when you believe in yourself. It's the only way to go. And that's the bottom line. And I want to say something else. It's very nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. You've got a lot of nice people over here doing a lot of nice things. And I think it's just great. I want to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody and when you're leaving here today while they're passing out gifts because George Steinbrenner made this all possible, I just want to take off these glasses right here and I want you to look me in the eye and I want to shake hands with each and every one of you and I want to realize when I look in your eyes that you believe in yourself because I believe in you because I know that you can be all that you want to be. It's up to you. I love each and every one of you, and oh, yeah, thank you very much, and I'll see you later. Oh, yeah!
1: New to Medicare? My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com.